And now, introducing the man who's strongly considering a trip to Amish country as while he'd been banned for life from the market for licking every single rib in order to quote, stake claim to my pieces, unquote, he feels the consolatory peace offering of his used Kingpin DVD is more than enough in terms of restitution. After what he insisted was popular demand, he intends to bring back his, quote, famous pair of bleached bootcut jeans, unquote, after realizing that his patience for cyclical fashion had finally paid off and his dedication to Michael Jordan in all facets of life had finally produced more than a crippling gambling problem. He is Glenn Clark. Don't worry, I got it. I've, uh, I've erred. I just forgot somebody. Okay, so yes, I've erred. That's that's uh, that's it. But don't worry, as always, I'm the cleaner. That's what they call me. Is it me. aired? What's that? Is it aired or erred? I believe it's aired. Yes. I've erred on my aired as well. I mean, error. I've that's aired true. with my err. Done both. Yeah. That's a great point. Hi. Good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Um, I'm Ki- I'm Glenn. <laughs> He's Kyle. I'm trying to do two things at once. I got to clean up for Kyle, and now I got to come over here and do this. It's annoying. <laughs> and I'm Glenn. Yeah, you're Glenn. That's the way it goes. Uh, much to do on the program today. Our friend Paul Mittermeyer is going to join us yeah. in a few everyone minutes for the Ed Black Courage Awards. Of course, everyone, everyone knows. knows that. No one would just leave that out of the rundown. Everyone remembers that. It wouldn't be something that somebody would do. That well, we've talked about it, Glenn. sense at all. It's pancake session. Yeah, we do it, every, do it all the time. Uh, they are going live this weekend with uh, a different version, a virtual Ed Black Courage Award uh, ceremony. He'll tell us more about that and how you guys can get involved. Also this morning, we're going to check in with Charles Davis from uh, NFL Network and CBS. Get a little NFL draft conversation with him. And he's got the Ravens in his mock draft, selecting a former guest of the program. Jason Owe from Penn State is who he has mocked the Ravens at 27. We'll talk to him about that. Also later on this morning, Kim English. He is a Baltimore native, pride of Randallstown. And now at just 32 years old, takes on his first job as a head coach in college basketball as he's taken over down at George Mason. So we'll chat with uh, Kim English about that. And also later on in the show, we will talk with Mike Pereira about the NFL rules changes that were and were not this week. So that is all on the way on a busy Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Today's program brought to you by Glory Days Grill. They're celebrating the 25th anniversary at Glory Days Grill. May there be a billion more. Everything is wonderful, but the smoky thigh wings, I, I don't think they're going to be there forever. Well, they might have to rethink that also. I, but I like, understand. You know, as of now. They're not, they're not planning on having them there forever. And so what I would do if I were you is I would become a hoarder. Yeah. And I would, like, you know, separate yourself from your family if necessary. Yeah, well, that's unnatural. I would leave everyone that you care about. Proclivity. Yeah. I would find... Um, Call that Tuesday. <laughs> ...a shelter somewhere in, in the woods, and I would do nothing but stockpile smoky thigh wings from Glory Days Girl. This, You know what's weird? This yeah. is the actual copy they sent. I know. Uh, stockpile smoky thigh wings for the rest of eternity. And if you want to know what happiness is, mm-hmm. it's you... Living by yourself, yeah. never shaving again. Staying solely off of. But having smoky thigh wings for whenever. years to come. I want to However kind of long know, until you die. I don't know how how protective they are of this state secret. Yes. But let's say as a sponsored segment, uh huh, we go to Glory Days Grill, right, and we learn how 
to prepare. You want to do a like an on location, Kyle in the kitchen is what you're trying Kyle to accomplish. And Glenn in the kitchen. Well, I mean, I think that we would be. I mean, we can well we can, well suited to have uh, that, that skill you know in what? our arsenal. You know what? I tell you what, you are going to handle that Interesting. responsibility Interesting. with with our Julie Sawyer. All right. You're going to get in touch with Julie. Interesting. And you're going to say, right. I have this idea. We've been doing this segment, and we want to expand it, and we want to talk to them about whether or not we could come do it. All right. All right. All right. And I'm I'm for it. I hear you. I don't know how protective I they need are. The, do you think they get smokers as well? They would just give I, us a smoker? I don't Probably think just that. Yeah, I don't think they just have one lying around and they can just give us. But if you know, we can if ask, they, yeah, of course. it does not hurt the ask. Right? Think Gl- the glorydaysgrill.com is the website, of course. And they've got other things going on for the 25th anniversary. You know, like they've got the turtle cheesecake. They've got, of course, the uh, strip steak sandwich, the zucchini fries. They've got the silver anniversary IPA happening. The smoky thigh wings mm-hmm. are perfection. Mm-hmm. Perfection. Glorydaysgrill.com. I am drunk. Are you? On watching the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres play baseball. Right. I cannot get you enough. You had my interest for a second I there. cannot no, I mean, they're very good at get enough of watching that these teams. That pretty good. Which one? The Padres pitcher. Oh, Weathers last yeah. night? Yeah, it looked great. But if you did not stay up to watch this game, there was a double play to end the eighth inning. That is one of the most electric baseball moments I've ever seen in my life. And I check the date. It's April 22nd when it occurred. It had been April 23rd, right? Uh, not in Los Angeles. No, it was but still April here. 22nd here, but they didn't play the game here, Kyle. Oh. They played it in Los Angeles for you. at the old Chavez Ravine. For you. Their bases were loaded in a one-run game, 3-2 game, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, this dude who I've never heard of, who had his first career uh, home run last night, because, of course, why not that? What's his name? Noisy. His oh. name is Noisy. Was it Legitimately Noisy. noisy. But it does, it's not spelled Noisy. It's spelled like noose. Mm. Uh, yeah, weird bit. Less cheeky. Yes. Well, yeah, but he's not. It's not. Okay. It's, it's I Noisy. It. I get you got to understand. Yeah. Sheldon Noisy is a, is a thing, mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, he previously played for the Oakland Athletics and the Oklahoma Sooners, so he's a big Oakey guy. Mm. Um, hits his first career home run to tie the game up late after they get, they finally they What's pulled. he doing in the game? Who was hurt? I don't even know. I don't know what he does for a living. I don't know. He's apparently an infielder of some sort. I, I couldn't tell you what the scenario. He was he, he was in the lineup last night. Mm. There were a couple guys that were unavailable for the Dodgers. I don't remember off the top of my head who they were. Los but Doyers. Los Doyers, yes. And uh, this dude... Comes up, bases loaded, mm. one out in the eighth after the Padres had walked a batter to load the bases. Not not ideal. Well, no, they they and did they were it. Trying to get a man on first to make it so it was a force. It, it was a it was, was a we're going to throw a couple pitcher pitches and see if something happens. And if we fall behind in the count, we'll go ahead and finish the walk because that's the third batter for the reliever to bring in the next well, it guy. Was the old Buck Showalter intentional walk where so it's yeah, not well, quite let, let's yeah. let's see, but nah, we're gonna just mm. go right ahead. Bases loaded, one out, bottom of the eighth, one run game. This dude, Noisy, steps up and hits the hardest hit ball at 105 miles an hour. Screaming liner at second. Cronenworth, all he's able to do is just knock it down. The ball was hit so effing hard that by the time he was able to pick the ball up, he flipped it to Tatis to get that runner by an inch. At second. At second. Tatis... And not even by an inch. Now, where is he? Is he on the grass right now, or is he still in the dirt? He's still in the dirt, but he he knocks the ball down. Is I he backhanding it? Seen this play? No, I he mean he has to go up the middle, or is he going? But he has to find the ball. The he's he, no, he's going. He's 
He's at second. Yeah, so is he going toward the first baseman or is he going up the middle? Yes, he's going up the middle. Yeah, so he's backhanding he's it. Knock, he knocks the ball down, but he can't find it at first. Okay. Finds it, flips it to Tatis. Tatis in one motion. Guy's all right. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> catches and fires it back to first base. Too bad his arm's not strong. Yeah, he, it was pretty effing strong. <laughs> it was probably 100 miles per hour that he threw at the first oh, base. Oh, I've never. This is the most electric double play I've ever seen in my life. And again, it was April 22nd. And I don't care about these teams, really, except for the fact that, like, Manny I, I'm, I'm kind of half a Dodgers fan, but, like, I'm, that's, I'm a fraud. Let me, but let me be clear. I'm a fraudulent, yeah, I said Dodgers, Dodgers fan, so. Padres yeah. fan. I'm a fraudulent Padres fan. I don't, I'm not actually a Padres fan. I'm not, like, root, root watching night by night. I, I happened to tune well, in last night because the Dodgers were playing the Padres, and that's baseball now. And it's not Yankees, Reds. It's so nice. The thing that we care about that's getting all the attention in baseball for once is not Yankees, Red Sox. It's something else. It's some other shiny object that matters in baseball besides the same dreck that we've been doing over and over and over again. Oh, it kicked so much ass. What happened to Chris Paddock? I don't know. I don't know. Like he used, this is was why. on the arc of being okay. really, right. really great. Oh, thank you. Thank the you Padres for pitching, now they've got Wilson LeMay hurt. This is, and this is got, the thing that you do. No, I'm talking about the Padres right now. That's, uh, of but course. I'm not talking about, You're talking about Chris Paddock getting hurt. Who cares? I'm talking about Paddock last night's game. Whatever it is, I'm not talking about that. You're talking about some other thing because you can't add anything about last night because he didn't watch the game. That's fine. I'm not mad at you for not watching the game, but you're sidetracking to some other topic that I have no interest in discussing. Well, I thought you cared about the Padres. No, I just said that. I'm fraudulent. Did you not just hear what I just said? Yeah, but you I'm implied. fraudulent. This is about Dodgers-Padres being awesome, about being must-watch, which is so effing cool for baseball. It's so great that there is something that in April matters so much that you find yourself saying, I have to watch this. And they're on national TV again tonight, and tonight I'll have to watch it again. By the way, tonight happens to be you, Darvish, and uh, Scherzer. No, not Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, the one that pitches to the Dodgers. Uh, Darvish and uh, Kershaw tonight, so, you know, that's pretty good, too. I wonder if Mackenzie Gore will get the call off with LeMay getting hurt. I'm curious. But regardless, I'm looking forward My to all of the God. What is it about you? What is is there is can it can be diagnosed? What what know. is the thing that forces you to sidetrack and talk about the thing that you want to talk about it's instead of being a able to mind. What is it? What is the tick that prevents you from being able to add to the current discussion and instead say, here's something else that I want to talk about? Curiosity. God damn it. You want to talk about you, Darvish, and Clayton Kershaw? It would be whatever. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. John, I briefly talked about the Raiders thing yesterday. I don't really want to talk <laughs> anymore about it yes, today. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just not. I'm, it's not. I'm sorry. It just does not. We sort of me. are sort of like the Raiders to an extent. What's that? We're like, we aren't the ones. Yeah, that I mean that's really what it is to me. Like I don't I don't feel as though this is the place for that. I'm not I am not educated enough. To be able to fully dissect exactly what someone you know should or shouldn't say, and what I've learned is, for the most part, don't say anything. And it's not because it's not, don't have opinions, right? It's just I not there's nothing good that's going to come from that, and it's not what we do, and the whole deal. And I don't think that anybody should try to get attention off of I, the 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 verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial this week does not have anything to do with me, and I'm not trying to get attention off of it. I don't want to steal. 
you know, hey, look at me, um, the way that far too many people this week have attempted to do to try to, to get attention on themselves. So I'm I'm just sort of I'm leaving myself out of that a different one. Different story, I guess. If like Baltimore had an NBA team who was actively like sitting out. I, I mean, yeah. If if there was a tweet that if right. you know if LeBron James played for a Baltimore team, I would probably be required to talk about LeBron James' tweet. He doesn't. And because of that, I, I just don't really have much of anything to say. I think there's a lot of people that are trying to do everything in their power to fit their own narratives this week. I mean, I just, I, I, it's like every other week. There's no actual original thought. It's just a lot of narratives that are being fit. And so I choose not to wade into those waters. And instead, I choose to discuss the greatness of the Padres and the Dodgers and how exciting it is and how as a baseball fan, I can't believe I'm this excited. I can't believe I'm this excited about watching baseball in April. I can't believe it. And it's a plane played on the other side of the country. Teams that I don't care about. That's how good Dodgers Padres is. It's like getting bonus. This is like getting bonus football to me. This is like them announcing that there's going to be an 18th week of the NFL season. I'm getting something that I have to watch. I have to. This is this is the best advertisement ever for for trying to get the package that allows you to watch every game that those teams might play this season. Ah, it's so damn good, man. Oh, the Super League package? Yeah, I believe it's the Super League. Everybody was joking last night about, well, they should just have these teams play each other every night this season. I was like, well, that's the Super League. That's just the two of them right now. Two teams, Super League, play an entire season, and we'll call the uh, whoever comes out on top the World Series winner for this year. I would be so in favor because it is so good it is so what if thrilling. they separated the teams they played the four games they played four yeah they played four games this season three of them have been thrillers thrillers i mean dripping in drama in four regular season baseball games it's so are they gonna brawl over this is they almost brawled last weekend. There was a bit of a, a back and forth. I did not realize how vitriolic Dodgers fans were towards Manny Machado. Um, I think he spur- spurned them. Like, what is? Or I don't know he didn't play exactly. Well, in the playoffs, so he was like, wasn't that, worth well, it. there was the thing where he didn't he didn't run it out during the playoffs, and you know everybody got mad at him when he was with the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, but so like, now he's like stealing bases like on he, them. Also, when, when he, he doing came, that? yeah, when he came to the plate last night, there was definitely audible Manny sucks chants. Like they are people feel a certain kind of way about Manny Machado. He you know, gets, he gets people going, man. It is wild to see, and I don't know being casually good is just not like, something people can handle. I don't, I don't know if it's like that being in casually great. Yeah, I don't know if it's like that in Denver. Like I don't know if the Padres go play the Rockies. How Rockies fans imagine, respond right? to like, him? Why like, would they? I why think. Why do they? What do they have opinions on? I don't know. <laughs> like, the, like the Arenado, and that's about it, right? They're just probably, they yeah, they're like still they really mad about anything, that. Right? Yeah, they're still really mad about that, man. I don't know, but it was weird. I did not know quite how vitriolic things were. Yeah, I didn't realize for, that. Um, for Dodgers fans and Manny Machado, that kind of blew my mind as I was watching last night. I was I'm like, more, I mean, there's a lot going on in the West Coast in baseball right now. What Shohei Otani is, is incredible. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's cool. Like, don't he's get still me wrong. Healthy for but, now, right? like, but like the Angels are going to be 500. So well, maybe they'll be 84, 85 wins. Okay, thank you. I'm going to guess not. I'm going to guess they're going to be right around 500. And so I just can't get all that. I mean, I get it. He's hitting the ball hard and throwing the ball hard. It's wild to see. But it's um, hard, is it? Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I hear you. But it's just, it's not Dodgers Padres. There's nothing that's like Dodgers Padres right now. What if he was it on is, the Padres? That would be different. <laughs> that would make it even more compelling. He's not, though. He plays for the Angels, and so not very compelling uh, beyond just being Shohei Otani, who 
get it. Very cool. Very, very he's very cool. compelling in his own right. The Yankees suck. That's compelling for that. different reasons. Um, I don't want to watch them, yeah. but I want to enjoy seeing how much they suck, and that's quite pleasant, and I'm all in for that. From uh, Tony, Tony messaged and said, did you hear about this thing with Terrence Marshall and his inju- injury? Terrorists. That's what I said. I thought I heard Terrence, but I could be wrong. I think the two things just sound so they similar. They sound very that, similar, Yes, course, yeah. I think that ends up being that way. Uh, did you hear about the thing with Terrence Marshall and the injury history? Do you think that changes whether or not the Ravens would take him? It might, but it yeah, depends what they're... I, there's a bunch of stuff there. I mean, that's a really difficult thing for, for me to figure out. I, I, I got to be honest. Well, we don't know. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of things in their medical history, and there's a lot of this type of stuff that kind of pops up around this time of year where either somebody's trying to throw somebody else off, so they're like, you know, get that out there, let it be known, see if that maybe scares. If a fan base now would be mad at a team for taking Terrace Marshall, then perhaps they're second-guessing whether that's what they want to do with their... P- well, if it's, if, if, it's, if somebody's trying to make it be the... Incept them with the, 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 the difference between player A and player B is, well, this guy we know had injuries in his past kind of thing because of this sort of thing. Even if okay, even but, if the medical report suggests that there's no reason to but think there, that but he's there's, more... But there's a million layers to this. The Ravens took Rob Gronkowski off their board for medical reasons. Also off the board. Not... They dropped him. They just said, we take him in the third round. They took him off his their spinal, board. He had a spine problem, wasn't yeah, I mean, it? And, and, and he continued with the rest of his career. But right. by the I'm way, not, of course, you but know, he ended up being Rob Gronkowski. There is so many layers to something like that that there is not a big proc. I cannot sit here and tell you, well, there's no way the Ravens draft Terrace Marshall now. Or even there's no way the Ravens draft Terrace Marshall at 27 now. I can't tell you those things. I don't know that. Um, there are people that are aware of his injury history that think that that means he's more of a second-round guy that could also be posturing from someone else who wants to get him early in the second round, and so they want it to be out. There's a million layers to this thing. Is it relevant? Yes, I think it's relevant, 100%. Do I think there are other guys that had injuries in high school that we don't know about because we weren't paying attention to them in high school? Yes. Have they popped up? Might they pop up between now and next Thursday? Might we hear about them after the draft? There's a million layers to this. So for me to make a bold proclamation. It's also not unfair to say that the, look, it used to be a real, real problem when you were like, guys already torn his ACL once. Yes. Modern now, medicine yes. these days it, is such where, right? These yes, guys are it, back. It certainly and can change that. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it, look, man, I, I'm not, I, I'm not. I'm not dismissing it. I'm not saying it's a non-factor. I'm saying I can't tell you what the impact of that is. I still think Terrace Marshall is a relevant name for the Baltimore Ravens. Surely. Look, he, if if you want me to say, like... He's it, super productive in the middle of the football field. Yeah. And that's got to mean something yeah, sure. for what the Ravens do. Sure, no I'm team throws it as much right. in the middle of the field no as the Baltimore Ravens. No doubt. If you want to make an argument for me that... Let's just say there was a... a 13% chance that Terrace Marshall was the Ravens' 27th pick in the draft. Whatever the number is, going into to, you know, us getting this news. Mm-hmm. And now we say there's a 10% chance or a 9% chance or something like that. Okay. You know, like, I, that's not... Ironically, science. it's, you know, it's definitely... That wouldn't... What you're talking about there, 
it would be influenced because presumably other teams would then be altered as well. So it would increase the chances that he's available. But the Ravens being like what well, their evaluation I, of him. I don't think there were a lot of people who thought that Terrace Marshall was going before 27. I tend to agree. I think that he I probably think, seemed like a second. The assumption was he was late first round, right. second round type of guy to begin with. So if if you want to just say, hey, if the Ravens knew about this, that might impact whether or not they were considering him or perhaps whether they say, yeah, we like him, but we'd like him if he falls to our second pick or we'd like him if we trade into the second round and don't pick in the first round, something along those lines. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I, I, don't, I can't. They're not going to tell me. They're not going to tell anyone, frankly. They're not telling anyone at all. Maybe Sal Palantonio. Maybe him. We told him a lot. Yes, Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, sure. It's relevant. We'll talk about it with uh, Charles Davis, in fact, uh, a little bit later on this hour. We'll get his thoughts on how the uh, the word that Terrace Marshall has been injured might impact the Baltimore Ravens, or, or frankly, him, going into the NFL draft. Today's program is brought to you as well by Window Nation. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color. Plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Um, one more from, from Daryl. Daryl says... Glenn, did you see this tweet from Jeff Schwartz? I like Jeff Schwartz. He goes over the fact that all the Super Bowl winners recently have had strong offensive linemen that every team should prioritize offensive line over wide receivers. Um, the, tweet, the tweet says, 2017 Eagles, best O-line in football. 2018 Patriots, O-line dominated in the playoffs. 2019 Chiefs, Pro Bowl left tackle and all-pro right tackle. 2020 Buccaneers, all-pro caliber left guard, center, and right tackle. I'd make sure my O-line is set before drafting a wide receiver. That's just me. Um, by the way, he went on to say, I've shared this before, but I was sitting in the stands for the 2018 AFC Championship game. Arrowhead, Arrowhead was loud. I had a headache the following day from the noise, but anyways, early in the game I was wanting... Right, I don't think that's related to the previous topic. Um, okay. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. That you always draft an offensive lineman before you would draft a wide receiver? Well, it's also just like, all things are not equal. This is yeah, not I mean, how this works. Like yeah, one I, certain I, teams, the Ravens have. I agree with Jeff Schwartz that you should try to have a good offensive line. The Ravens have demonstrated an ability to have that throughout the course of their franchise's history. For the most part, I mean, there have been times of identifying where they've, talent, they've, whether right. you know, like top of the draft. Like I'm. Well, I'm, I mean, okay, you I'm say that. My, Michael Michael Orr he would was certainly still a be decent. He was still he at was, worst a. He at, was decent, a, a, a but probably not. Probably not worthy of first round pick. But he's the lone particularly a player that you traded up. In the first round to get he's of, the, lone of the first rounders, yes. yes, but that's a very small group that we're talking about. But I'm also the fear of the Ravens, you know, being that's also utterly Ja depleted. Reed was an early round pick. I mean, we can find a couple like Adam Terry wasn't what they yeah. wanted him to be. I'm not saying they don't right. have misses, right. but they have proven that they can fill out an offensive lineman. There are fewer years where they have deficiencies in the offensive line department than there are where they're just pretty comfortable. Now, that said, the opposite is true about receiver, right? Like, the Ravens needs an offensive line relative to what the NFL's, you know, tendencies are and what the way that teams are being put together. Like, the Ravens will be able to find an interior offensive lineman that will presumably 
be able to help if that's what right if, if, if that's they what they're to. if that's what they're looking for. I don't know if the reality is that uh, we still don't we still have no idea. I know Josina Anderson said something this morning about the idea that Orlando Brown trade talks are heating up. Okay, I I've thought that the draft would be a a well, relevant the deadline, time right? For that. Like I don't think it's the deadline by any stretch of the imagination. It would be hard to imagine. I don't know who the player would be, and that's the problem ultimately about having the conversation, right? Like Eric Costa surely has had extensive conversations with people around the league about what interest is for Orlando Brown, whether it's purely mm-hmm. draft capital, whether there are players that we have no idea are available, are being but there might be a, like, What I would say is there might be a team that's balking at the idea of giving up a first-round pick right now, but after looking at their roster after the draft, they say, look, you want a first-round pick for Orlando Brown. First, we weren't, we weren't going to do it this year because we need to put a roster together. But if you're willing to do it for next year... But that's leaving the Ravens yes, sort of leaves, behind the eight ball as far as the roster is concerned. percent leaves you in a hole. But if the priority is to get the best possible value that you can get for Orlando Brown, I think it, is, it might provide that. I agree that it is, but there's a cost at a certain point, right? Like, you're not going to chop off your own arm, right? In order to preserve uh, the chance this is, that, but this is where somebody would say, do they think that Alejandro or Alejandro Villanueva is a better option than other people do, and that they think they can game the system by both having someone who can I play the theory. and get that? That's where we're more in the argument of what Jeff Schwartz is saying, right? Like you're you're talking about something different when you're talking about willingly accepting maybe a deficiency on the offensive line. Well, like if you're a team yeah. that's entering with what? a real like, and the I, premise I that I'm setting up is that they don't that think they don't that. think Alan, right. Alan, 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 I, is that I don't I, think you could think that. Right. I, I think continuing to tie in based on everybody I've talked to, tying in Alejandro Villanueva as a backup plan for Orlando Brown makes no sense whatsoever. Sure. But perhaps the Ravens feel that I get way. It. And perhaps they have Tyree the Ravens, Phillips still, and they have right. other players. Bring him in would, and say we we think we've got look, the guys. I tend to think. I mean, if you were to do the old the, the truth serum bit, right? They would tell you they would they would rather know what they have going into the draft for what they don't have going into the draft and what capital they have to work with, right? I mean, of course they would rather do that, yes. But if it's the difference, if the offers aren't the same, if the best offer that they're getting for Orlando Brown is somebody sitting in the back end of the second round, and then I can't imagine that's the case, right? Like you, you have no I, idea. I, you, how many teams are they allegedly in this market right now? Right, like there's as many as four or five. We, we there a month ago we heard there were as many as six, but who knows if they were really in the market or they were? You know, we're interested. Well, you know. Ultimately, my point is Peter King threw com- cold water. On the notion that there was a robust market for Orlando Brown, suggested that there are far fewer teams that are convinced that he's worthy of being paid like a high-level left tackle. That there, there just aren't a lot of teams that are interested in doing that, more or less paying a price and then sure. having to do that. So I don't know what the actual market is. And again, I'm not telling you that I think it would be a good idea, but yes, the most logical thing is that if the Ravens are going to trade Orlando Brown, they do it to get a draft pick this year. However, if the offers are simply not good, sure. but yet there's a team that says, all right, we'll do it, we'll pay your price, but we'll pay it a year from now. This is what the Panthers did with Sam Darnold, right? Like, you really want a second-round pick? We'll give it to you, but we ain't giving you this year's second-round pick because we don't know. 
And we got to figure out, you know, like what's going on the Jets here. Jets also have like ten draft picks this year, right? Like, I don't think it's because the Jets specifically asked for next year's for. No, there's no doubt, but right. like it's a different discussion when you're talking about the Ravens who actively do have holes that they need to fill through the draft. Like I understand the May May third thing will produce some sort of player on the edge. They will sign somebody. It might sign another tackle. Who knows? I, right? I presume they'll. I presume they'll sign but, someone. But they do still have needs at the receiver, tight end, and but a lot of teams edge. Have, and it's not that a lot of teams have needs. The correct. Jets have more needs than all their draft picks to, can fill. But to add another, I'm not without supplanting I, it with it, more ammo. What you're to try saying to fill is it why with. it's not desirable, and I'm already giving. You don't have to defend that anymore. We know why it's not desirable. The question becomes: Is it still worth it? I don't. It, is it something that if the desire is this is what we want to get for Orlando Brown. The market says you can't get that. But a team suddenly swoops in afterwards and says, tell you what, we weren't willing to do it, but we'll do it for next year. And now you're looking at the difference between, again, third-round pick. And look, as I'm, the, I'm the, the perfect sap to be sold that, that, that snake oil and be like, love it. I love rooting against teams for no reason. Give me a team to think that I just root against them every week from the lose, right? Like, that's a good time. Ultimately, right? Like that's another thing I care a lot I mean, about. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, Get the pick the higher <laughs> and higher. It's great. Yeah, sure. But, but uh, I still think, and I understand you know that's true. That the risk is still sizable, right? Like yes, of course, it's a sizable risk. It's not a desirable scenario. I and I'm not even suggesting that it's something that I think that the Ravens. I don't even know what I'm saying, other than to say I I don't think it's something that they necessarily wouldn't do 100. percent I think it's more a. I wouldn't call the draft the deadline as much as I would call it the end of the most like this is the the most likely scenario for it to reach a boiling point with teams competing against each other. Correct. Right? Like, that the most offers would be on the table, and that the best chance of a team, the scenario that I keep playing out, the team that says, "Hey, it's a great tackle draft, and so we'd rather draft that guy and not have to pay him than give up our pick and have to pay your guy." But then that guy isn't there when they get to their pick and they say, Penny okay. pasta's not on the menu, you know? Correct. That spicy rigatoni that everybody's freaking out about up in New York, which I'm sure is delicious. Everybody's all in love what with What is this. it? It's the spicy rigatoni, and they're bringing it to the... Rigatoni's, which one's rigatoni again? It's the the kind of, um like... Uh, a little, like, cylindrically spirally one? Yeah, kind of. It's of, a fun one. Yeah. It's I a fun one. No, yeah, that is that, right? Yeah. Yeah, the little spirally guy. So there's some place... Underrated for macaroni and cheese, I think. There's some place in New York that does spicy rigatoni, and everybody freaks out about it. Like, they lose their mind uh, about the spicy rigatoni. Um, and they're apparently bringing it the Nets games because you can't get into. Did you see that picture of that long cheeseburger? I don't think I did. Everyone was talking about it on Twitter? Think, I don't think I did. It's like a cheeseburger sub, quote unquote, but it really just looks like a long cheeseburger. What's that? It looks like a really long cheeseburger patty, like a uh, White Castle burger that was I, like. I never cared for a cheeseburger sub. I always loved them. I thought really? it was cheating the system. Yeah. I never cared. It was for always it. like you were just getting three or four cheeseburgers. You know. I hear you. And that's like, something that is. If as I a want kid, a I cheeseburger, love. I'll get a cheeseburger. I and always just stack patties on top. I, I don't genuinely like a cheeseburger sub. Oh, never did a damn and thing. It's, for and me, it's man. it's in a certain it's in a certain subsect of food that i like right it's a guilty pleasure i never expect quality cheeseburger components in a cheeseburger it just looks terrible i just saw the picture of it <laughs> on ravel's it looks awful everyone says it looks awful but i'll take it four. looks horrendous i'd still eat it it just but looks like the most plain i don't disagree thing in the i don't world. disagree i don't disagree who want, and what are they charging for that probably 15 bucks yeah right but, all right cheeseburger subs 
it's a man you don't love yourself for doing it but if you want to kind of indulge Ugh. that that sort of just throw it to the wind gonna be a i like no a cheeseburger gonna be a no for me dog I love a cheeseburger sub. What can I say? I'm out on that. I think they don't get enough love. Uh, Carbone is the restaurant in New York City. They do a spicy rigatoni. This is what it looks like. It looks pretty tasty. We we were wrong about the pasta. Well, it's cylinder. It's not the spirally one. It's not the spirally cylinder. But it's cylinder. Which one's the spirally one? I like that one. I don't remember. That's a fun one. Uh, According to Rovell, it's one of the hardest restaurants to get into. What is this Carbone? Because of this spicy rigatoni. They're making fresh pasta out there in the ballpark. Uh, at the Barclays, at the arena. It will be available at Nets Games, as the Barclays Center has done a deal with uh, the owners of Carbone. I feel like I... Do they properly duplicate? Have you found... I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, you I know don't what know I mean? about that. Right. Like, like I have not... I haven't gotten Pizza John's at the ballpark. I've gotten to know if Stuggies it's, when it was there, when it was... I gotta be honest with you. That's the only... I've never actually been... And it's not as good at the ballpark as it is, as at, it is at the restaurant. I've, I've had a crab mac and cheese dog at the ballpark. I've never had one at Stuggies. It's just I a, think a frankly weird that has to do with the and, and the ballpark has a sponsorship with the Frank Frank right and so that's that's what so they, they have to provide yeah it's a whole deal whole deal all right uh, it turns out you were right about the yeah. rundown yeah, <laughs> oddly welcome. I don't know what that's about that's a uh, hope Paul's okay uh, we'll see if we can't squeeze him back in at some point because uh, we do love Paul Mittermeier that's a guy and we want you to participate with the Ed Block Courage Awards virtual gala this weekend but. I don't know. He doesn't want to tell us anything about it. It's a very strange bit indeed. We can instead tell you that today's show. I am worried about Paul. I got to be honest. I'm worried about. I I get worried about Paul. Paul's a weird cat. He's got his own <laughs> like, little quirks. He's got. He's a very quirky cat. And Outside of like having a prosthetic leg, he's got his own. Oh quirks. yeah, that's 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 not even right. <laughs> not even in the top fifteen. Doesn't even register. <laughs> doesn't quirks. even register. Every time I talked to the last time he was here, by the way, we ended up talking for three hours. Yeah, after I remember the show. you were saying that for he stuck around for a little while. Hours. I hung out for a little while longer than I normally do. We just sat here. One o'clock. I was like, "Well, I got to get going." We just like, talked about life and tried yeah, to solve yeah. the world's problems. It was it was fascinating. He was like, he loves how to catch a smuggler. What? That's his favorite show. Was that show no, How to Catch it, a Smuggler? Is that That's, what it was called? Yes. I thought it was called something else. How to Catch a Smuggler. All right. I see it on I do tubular, All right. but I'm always like, oh. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Are we ever going to get them in here to eat tomatoes? Oh, yeah, we wanted to do that. That's right. I keep forgetting that we were trying to do that. I guess we'll talk about it next time we talk to him. I mean, (laughs) I'd like to hope, but I I don't know, man. I don't know. I do know that Charles Davis is going to join us in a few minutes. We're talking about the NFL draft with him. He's got the Ravens taking Jason Owe in the first round. Penn State, a rusher who didn't have a sack last season. We'll, we'll talk more about that next. Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Ruling with Great Ace Memorabilia. want to invite you out to Looney's Pub, Perry Hall, on Thursday, April 29th from 7 until 10 p.m. as we raise money for Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland. The NFL Draft Party is going to be hosted by Baltimore running back Gusta Bus Edwards, and this is a free, family-friendly event good for everyone to come to. Meet and greet tickets are on sale at missionticks.com or Great Ace Memorabilia. 
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. The weather is warming up. The days are longer. Do your windows open to let the fresh spring air in? Are they old, cracked, and outdated? The spring rush is on for home improvement projects. One great way to improve the look, feel, and value of your home is with new windows. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. URL. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, back in here on GCR from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of PressBox. Today's show also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Uh, from Dave. Dave says, Glenn, I was watching Dodgers-Padres last night, too. I find myself also captivated by two teams that I otherwise don't care about. I wouldn't even say that I'm necessarily a Padres fan because I kind of root against Manny Machado. What, what is wrong with you, Dave? What in the world is what is wrong with people with this Manny Machado thing? We got, there's something we got to acknowledge. There's something wrong with us. Not me. Not well. There's other things that are wrong with me, but not related to Manny Machado. Manny Machado was the greatest baseball player we could have asked for. The Orioles had no interest in keeping him around, and because you thought he should have run harder on something, you want to hate him 
It's the the weirdest bit. It is the weirdest bit. Um, why don't they put all of those games on national TV? This is what's wrong with baseball. Well, I mean, they can't. I, mean, I get they can't put all of them on. I mean, like there there are rules about you know branding and marketing and and who can benefit and all that. I, they can't put every game on national TV, but should they? Yeah, I mean, they definitely for the for the betterment of baseball, one thousand percent should have all of them on a national TV. All right, it's time for our weekly NFL draft segment. Always enjoy our conversations with our next guest. Of course, covering the draft for NFL Network. He does games for CBS. It's a pleasure, as always, to welcome back into the program our friend, Mr. Charles Davis, who's with us on GCR. Charles, it's Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, as always. Hope you and your family are continuing to do well. Thank you for taking the time for us. Uh, thank you very much for having me, and I hope you and your families are all doing well. I really appreciate that. In addition, that. We, yeah. you know, we're hanging in there. We're making it like everybody else in this world. No doubt, know? man. No doubt. Getting by, and hopefully we're getting through everything. No doubt. Um, Charles, no doubt. I, I'm really interested. In, you know, I saw your mock draft, and, and we got to know we had uh, Jason Owe on our show recently. And yeah. Really great dude. Really enjoyed the chat. But there's this thing that lingers over him, right, which is for as disruptive yep. as he is, he didn't have a sack last season, and we acknowledge yeah. everything about last year was weird. It was a weird, weird year, but this was supposed to be his big breakout monster sack season, and instead it was zero. Why shouldn't we be scared of the fact that Jason Owe didn't tally a sack last year? Oh, I don't think that you shouldn't be scared. I think we'd be remiss if we weren't a little bit worried and challenged. Because if you look at Jason Oway's frame, if you look at Jason Oway's testing numbers, why are we talking about him being available where Baltimore might be picking? You know, he's a guy that should be pushing for top 15 in this draft. He should be a guy that we should be discussing about being one of the better edge rushers because the, the, the measurables, I mean, what is it? the like eye a, test. It was like a four three five, right, that he ran? Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. insane. Yeah. Right? It's insane. So when you say to yourself, back to your question, why doesn't that translate? I'm not sure what he told you. In my discussions with people, there was, you know, discussion that maybe he played more off the ball yeah. than a pass rusher like him should. You know, thing, you know, there's a lot of pressure. He just didn't convert, you know, didn't finish all the time. A number of different things. The reason I thought that Baltimore would be a perfect spot for him is how he would be coached and the scheme that they play in, you know, see ball, see man with ball, go get man with ball, you know, and I'm not saying that to be simplistic. It's just that Wink is going to come up with things that are going to show you to your best advantage, isolate you and give you opportunities. And I just think that, that John Harbaugh and his staff pride themselves in being teachers, not just guys who, who roll guys out and call defenses, but teach them, coach them, make them better. <laughs> What a guy to start with, <laughs> you know. I mean, if I if I'm one of those 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 coaches, I'm like, coach, I can coach him, okay? Give me a shot. Yeah. Because when it's all said and done, and he's a double digit sack guy, you know who else the light shines on? The guy who coached him. Yeah, that's a great you know, point. Similar, right. Similar to Ohio State pass rushers. Every year when those Ohio State pass rushers come out, what name do you hear come out with them? Larry Johnson, defensive line coach, Ohio State. Best defensive line coach in the country. This guy has a niche, and his guys go out and prove it for him. 
Uh, you have gone one pick earlier, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia to the Cleveland Browns. It, would it be yeah. safe to say that if Ojolari was there, you would think that he would also be a good fit? Or is, is he maybe for scheme reasons not someone that, that, that you would say, no, I still think that O.A. would be a better choice for the Ravens? No, I think that Ojolari would get prime consideration at that, at that opportunity because at the end of the day, when, when we're all done fighting with each other, Production's going to be a tiebreaker, you know, and production in the SEC, mm-hmm. that helps, okay? People get tired of hearing that, non-SEC people, they get sick of it. There's always shots coming at the SEC. The SEC is the SEC for a reason, okay? I talked to a coach in the Pac-12, I'm going to say seven, eight years ago, and he was giddy about a recruit he had who was a pass rusher. And I said, why are you so excited about him? I know people have talked about him, but, you know, you as a coach. You know what he said? He said, dude, he's an SEC edge rusher. Hmm. So if people don't understand what people are looking for out there, that's, that, you know, that's a Pac-12 coach telling me that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they're looking for. It doesn't mean they don't like their kids. doesn't mean they don't play good ball. doesn't mean they don't turn out talent because they do. But the way they, they they rush the pass or create defensive ends in that league, yeah, it gives you a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of value and a lot of cred. People have talked about number twenty-seven being kind of an interesting position for the Ravens, given their needs, and perhaps with the state of this draft, it being more important to kind of focus and zero in on an edge player in the first round at number twenty-seven, and kind of wait on maybe wide receiver or other needs down the line. Uh, would you agree with that assessment of this draft class and who might be maybe some second-round wide receivers that could reasonably be available if the Ravens were to go that route? Yeah, you know, I, I think on surface it does. We have to see how the draft board falls and what shenanigans happen on night one because they always do. and There's always some fireworks somewhere. I'm still remembering. I can't remember quite the year because my brain isn't quite that good. But you, remember, you guys probably remember this. New Orleans made a big move up from deep into the 20s to 12, I think it was. And we all flipped out thinking, ooh, that kind of move usually means you're getting a quarterback. quarterback yeah, it's Davenport. You yeah. know, Atlanta, Atlanta made that move before, like, what, 27 to 7 or 28 to 7 when Thomas Dimitrov was there. And they got Julio Jones trying mm-hmm. to get that last piece. It didn't pay off right away, but it did down the road. And – New Orleans, remember, they took Davenport, mm-hmm. the pass rusher out of uh, UTSA. So sometimes we get fooled by some of those things. I'd say that all in all, if everything falls kind of in the area we're going, I would agree with, you know, pass rusher, guy off the edge, keep that defense cranking high, because I think there are a lot of pass catchers. And the second part of this is everyone's screaming about a number one and a guy and a this and a that. The way Baltimore plays offense, and unless it appreciably changes with Lamar, a number one outside threat is big. But remember, that guy's not going to catch the same number of balls other people are. You know, this could be where Sammy Watkins has found his niche, you know, to go with Hollywood Brown. That's why I don't think it's as screaming a need as maybe people think. If Baltimore's going to throw it 40 times a game, that's a whole different ball game. But if they're throwing it 40 times a game, they're usually not real happy with that. So that's why I would say come back and get the receiver later. And you're talking about guys, man. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about now where Baltimore's picking 
I don't know that a Rashad Bateman lasts that long. He would be an ideal guy to me, the kid out of Minnesota. I don't know that he lasts that long. Are you going to get a water bug and people are saying, you know, Rondale Moore, but you already got Duvernay last year. What are you seeing for him? You know, does Rondale Moore from Purdue with his injury history, even though in 2018 he was scintillating, do you come back and get a guy like that, you know? So you might end up seeing those receivers come off the board for Baltimore more like rounds four and five, three, four, five, and be able to get, you know, some big body guys who can run. Uh, and Mater Jabebe from uh, Illinois, mm. good-looking athlete. Yeah. Who knows? A, a workout machine for sure. Yeah. He's, he's Charles Davis. He's with us here on GCR. Charles, I wanted to go there next because it, it was interesting to me that, that you – you did have Rashad Bateman available at 27. In fact, you didn't have him going in the first round at all. Yeah. Um, and, and that really kind of jumped off the page at me because I, I, I am in agreement about Bateman as a potential fit for the Raven, Ravens. Obviously, you're sort of prioritizing the needed edge rush over wide receiver, but why, why did you not only have him available but not have him going in round one whatsoever? Yeah, it's one of those ones where I think that if I did the mock, Ten times, he probably appears in at five. You know, you run through all your different things, who you like here. Sometimes you do mocks to shock and get people's attention. You know, we're not above being human and being clickbait. I want people to talk about my mock. Yeah, sure. So you throw stuff in there and you go, boy, I hope they eat that one up, you know. I think for me, Bateman is rated in there with a good number of the receivers that I like but I don't have enough conviction in moving past some people. Although if people did rate him higher, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit there and go, boy, are they stupid? <laughs> because this kid's good. You know, I mean, big body kid in the slot, outside, carry, can carry a team, I think, in, in a number of ways. I just think that there are so many good receivers in this draft. He falls down there to where I'm making decisions about it. And then for some of the teams, I'm making decisions about getting certain players now because I feel that, that that position is deeper and you can get something that, someone that looks like him later. Like some people are going to make a decision about, about offensive tackles. We know Sewell and, 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 and uh, Slater are going to be the early guys, right? Mm-hmm. Think about some of these teams that very well could prioritize offensive linemen, but look at other positions and go, the elite guys are in those positions. If I don't get one of those elites now, I won't get him later. But I'll get a reasonable facsimile at that position later. They may make decisions that way too. So you, I mean, you and you named some of the receivers a minute ago that you think could be available later on in the draft. It, because of that, you think it would be wiser for the Ravens to target edge rush early because there's a bigger drop off at edge rush than there is at wide receiver as the draft goes on. I, I think so. Yeah, in terms of the guys that we would have the, the better grades on. I don't think there's any question about it. The second part is the way that the Ravens run offense. I know we keep talking about receivers, yeah. but receivers in their offense can be can be good, can be can be better than what maybe we're looking at. You know, I think think Watkins has a chance for a rejuvenation here. This is his opportunity to be the guy that he was drafted to be. He may not be that, but he can be better than Kansas City, where in a sense he got lost in the shuffle. You know, he can elevate himself in a spot like that. And just, so that, you know, off of the heavy run, you get open easier in this offense when that run game's clicking, too. Because <laughs> there are a lot of eyes back towards the line of scrimmage having to tackle those backs. It seems like a name that comes up often when we talk to people about the later round receivers, maybe second, third, fourth even. 
Uh, Nico Collins from Michigan, uh, as far as blocking is concerned and being yeah. physical, your thoughts on Collins and then who are maybe some other maybe blocking receivers that we don't necessarily hear as much that might be available in that fourth, fifth round area that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, you know, Collins is, is, is a prototype like that, and, and a guy can get upfield, get vertical, big body guy. And, you know, he plays the Big Ten, played at Michigan, and Jim Harbaugh's going to ask his receivers to be tough on the perimeter. And he's every bit of that. I mentioned the kid out of Illinois with the look that he has. He ought to be a good blocker out on the perimeter. and He would be a, a, a good guy that you could latch on to. What I'm going to find interesting is, you guys know that big kid out of Auburn, Seth Williams? Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm very interested to see how people really rank him and where he comes off the board because he sure looks the part, but you sure don't hear much of a buzz about him. Hmm. And I think he's a guy who can get up and run. He looks like a guy who should be able to block on the perimeter because of the body that he has. Right. Those catches on the outside. But when's the last time you heard anyone mention him? And when have you ever seen his – when's the last time you saw his name? That doesn't make us all experts. I got to call a couple of my friends and say, all right, what am I missing? Yeah, right. He's 6'3". Six, he's six <laughs> am I, am I yeah, not? you know, why, why, why are we not expect, talking? I would have yep. expected to have heard his name a few more times. It's a great point. It's a great point. He's not. He's definitely not something we've talked about at all here. So I, but you're not, you're not alone. Yeah, I got to do some I do those paths to the draft shows, and I've been on a bunch of them, and I can't remember a single night his name has come up. Um, let me go to, you know, I, me- I read your piece about uh, guys that you would bang on the table for um, in this draft. And yeah. one of the names that's really interesting to me is Creed Humphrey because I- I've gotten a lot of split responses. The Ravens may be in the market for a center. They might be planning on moving Bradley Bozeman over. I think that might determine be determined on what happens during the course of the draft. But, yeah. um, you know, we know that center has to be addressed somehow by the Baltimore Ravens, whether that's in the draft or whether it's moving Bradley Bozeman over. Um, there are people that that don't that just don't think Creed Humphrey is is that type of aggressive player that you know in a Ravens run first system that gets downfield and forces the issue the way that you would want him to. Why are you such a believer in Creed Humphrey and and would he work in a Ravens type of system? Yes, yeah, I think that he could rise to that. I, I have no real worries about that. If if you plug in the tape with Oklahoma, as much as they fling it around, and we know they're quarterback-centric, right? I mean, it does not matter. We yep. understand that. But what else is it? They put out runners, too. They put out guys who can run the football. I know Trey Sermon finished up at Ohio State, but he ran the heck out of it for a while at Oklahoma before he ended up going there. Did you see how Ramondre Stevenson, when he came back from, from, from suspension, finished the year? Now, I know Florida was a little depleted in the, in the bowl game, but that big that big horse was finding places to go, and you'll find to me, from my you know what my eyes told me was Creed Humphrey handling the pivot, getting up to the second level, blocking people, the whole deal. So I, I just I've seen this kid since he was a freshman, and he was surrounded by four NFL players. I think one of them is on the Ravens, right? Is in Powers, mm-hmm. you know, on the Ravens. He was surrounded by four NFL guys, and and we all said, well, he's going to get drafted too. If he could come out this year, he'd get drafted as well as a freshman. I don't see any reason to change that. Plus, I've seen what I think is growth with him. I see a dependability, an assurability, a football IQ up front that works well with the quarterback. I like the kid. I understand where the split comes from. I used to hear that all the time. I remember uh, a guy. I told a guy once I liked Russell Bodine when he came out of North Carolina, and, and is a scout that I really respect. And he, you know, essentially laughed at me. And Russell Bodine was a starter for, what, five, six yeah, years? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. That a very so, nice career. So it's a matter of fit. It's a matter of where you go. But 
it's hard to do it. And like I said in, in my in my article about another kid in there, Brett Hagee from Florida, I saw Corey Lindsley play, and I was fast. I thought he was a heck of a player, and everybody kept telling me he wasn't that good. Yeah, that's worked out he all right. He went the fifth round, and now yeah. he's, he's making yeah. bank yeah. because he's an all-pro. Charles, another position that I think people maybe kind of don't talk about as much for the Ravens but remains somewhat of a need is the tight end, knowing that they like to run their 13 personnel as frequently as they do. Um, Rookie tight ends is always kind of a precarious gamble as far as expecting immediate production or help immediately in that sense. But are there any guys that you think might be sort of a fit that could be potentially productive or helpful in both the blocking and receiving game for the Ravens? Well, one of the guys was in my article, and that's Brevin Jordan. Yep. So he was so disappointed with the time he ran, but I think he's fine. If I watch the watch the tape, I think he runs faster on tape and plays faster. And he's another guy who can catch the ball like Mark Andrews. But he has a good frame on him, so he'll do the blocking. He'll do the dirty work he's going to have to do and, and will be demanded of him. Hunter Long from Boston College, another mm-hmm. kid like that. You know, these kids who come out of these these, these programs – and especially a place like BC, Jeff Halfley coming from Ohio State, you think he wasn't on, on his new crew to, you know, hit some people? Yeah, there's <laughs> no question in my mind. So those are a couple that immediately leap to mind. And then you're going to see some guys down the road. You got a guy who went to Temple and then went to Ole Miss, Kenny Yaboa, who I think has potential. There's going to be maybe a third-day guy, which is rounds four through seven, as we know. But I always stress that. Because you guys know doing the show, as soon as you say someone's a third-round guy, I mean a third-day guy, a lot of people are like, oh, he can't be that good. Right, right. And then you have to remind them, third day is rounds four through seven, okay? It's not. <laughs> it's not the dregs, you know? It's not, hey, is Charles Davis available afterwards? Can we call him and give him a free agent tryout? Oh, no. yeah. Uh, about rounds four through seven. Uh, we get a lot of good talent during that time. That's where the good GMs make their bones. Uh, Charles Davis, I, I really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. What's the what's the plan for you for draft week? When are we going to be seeing you? Um, Wednesday night, Daniel Jeremiah has his mock draft, and I think I'll be a part. Oh, I don't think I'll be a part of that that show with him. And then um, the draft starting Thursday night, round one, Friday rounds two and three, Saturday rounds four through seven. I'll be on the main desk with DJ and Rich Eyes in all three days and. I think David Shaw from Stanford's with us the first night. Joel Klatt's with us uh, the second day, and Peter Schrager joins us the third day. So a lot of fun to hang out with those guys. And Kurt Warner is going to break down the quarterbacks. And I'd say he knows a few, a yeah, few a things bit. about quarterbacks. Just a play, little bit. So. Yeah, he's okay. We're excited yeah. to have the Hall of Famer break down these QBs for us throughout the draft. Awesome stuff. Charles Davis, always appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Look forward to chatting again as we get moving towards football season, sir. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me, guys. You take care of yourself. Stay safe. Same to you. Charles Davis, NFL Network, NFL.com, and, of course, in season on CBS. Always appreciate him joining us. And speaking of the NFL draft, our draft coverage will begin. We, we, we don't have to take a break. We can just call Paul. Um, our draft coverage will begin on Thursday night live at Looney's Pub Perry Hall, our Project Game Day draft special. Uh, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Myself, KZ, and Jeremy Kahn on night one, live from Looney's Perry Hall for Great Eights Memorabilia's Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland draft party hosted by Baltimore running back Gus Edwards. There's going to be a lot going on. We're doing the show. The show will start around 7.30. The event starts at about 7. The event itself is free. You can just come out to Looney's next Thursday night in Perry Hall for raffles, the mini silent auction, food and drink specials. It's all going to be there. If you want to meet Gus, 
That's the part where we're raising money for Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland. So if you want to meet Gus Edwards, $45 for your meet and greet ticket. It gets you your picture and your autograph. That's covered. The money's going to Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland. That's the point of all of this. Now, we're going to hook you up with $8 off your meet and greet ticket. So if you're planning on coming out to hang out with us next Thursday night at Looney's Pub Perry Hall, go right now to great8smemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, great8smemorabilia.com. Or to Mission Ticks. And when you check out, use the code GLEN in all caps, G-L-E-N-N, in all caps, and you'll get $8 off your meet and greet ticket for the event with Gus Edwards next Thursday night. Looney's Pub Perry Hall, our draft party and our Project Game Day draft coverage. It'll continue Friday night from right here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. All right, we found him. He's all right. Everything's good. It's our guy, Paul Mittermeier. Better late than never. What's going on, Paul? How you doing, buddy? Well, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I don't I'm, miss too much stuff. Uh, I worry. About, I, I, I worry about you, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I know the things you're into. I'm always <laughs> like, man. I, I don't. He could be doing anything right now. Really, is what could be going on. Other than eating tomatoes and onions. Well, right. He's not doing that for sure. We do know that. Nah. Um, no, it's just a little, a little crazy in my house. My, my wife just had shoulder surgery yesterday, and my daughter's hopping around on crutches. So it's. You know, a little crazy time. So, so, we're so, good. We're so wait, so you, so you have the most functional human body in the house at the moment? Pretty scary, right? That Pretty scary. That is wild. <laughs> that is wild. All right, Paul Mittermeier, you told us how this was going to be going uh, the last time we talked to you. Obviously, you know, things have to continue to be a little bit different, unfortunately. But um, this weekend, you guys have gone live with the, uh, the Ed Block Courage Award Ceremony for 2021. Yes, we are very excited that we put this together. Um, our hour-long gala will be online tomorrow, and it's free for anyone to view it that wants to view it at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Um, you can go to bitpal.net uh, backslash 43 Courage Awards, and you'll be able to view not only the Courage Awards gala, Glenn, but also we have the uh, live auction going on as well. Uh, it's on the page where you can check out all the pretty cool memorabilia that we have that we're auctioning off from the guys. Um, that you can bid on as well. While you're there, you can register for that right up there on the page. And, you know, this, this, you, you never know how things are going to go. Um, you know, this is the first time we've ever done this virtually, but I, I thought it turned out pretty well. And I did about 39 Zoom calls <laughs> over the last wow, six geez, weeks geez. with guys. But, uh, you know, a great interview with uh, Mark Andrews from the Baltimore Ravens, who's their recipient. Real amazing segment that we did. Uh, the New England Patriots had co-recipients as uh, um, Devin McCourty and James White both had personal tragedies this year, um, and they talked to us about that. But the really cool thing that we were able to do, Glenn, with being able to do it virtually was we were able to get the kids involved from all over the country, talk about the Courage Houses all over the country, and watching the kids ask the players questions is pretty cool, man. I tell you, that's uh, awesome. And and the players love it. Players absolutely yeah, love right. It, so. That's awesome. So. That's phenomenal. All right, the website again. The link is bidpal.net, b-i-d-p-a-l dot net slash forty three courage awards, and that's the number forty three forty three courage awards, which will take you there. I was just perusing the uh, the auction items. Um, just just a couple of things that stand out a little bit. An Aaron Donald game issued helmet. Pretty cool, right? That seems that seems interesting. A Drew Brees <laughs> autographed football. 
a Christian yeah. McCaffrey game issued jersey, an Aaron Rodgers autograph football, a TJ Watt autograph football, a Mark Andrews autograph game issued jersey, a Larry Fitzgerald autograph football, a Chase Young autograph football. How about a Maryland fans, a Stefan Diggs autograph football? These things seem, by the way, that's only this is only an $80 starting bid for that Stefan Diggs ball. I might, uh, there you go. It might be a Glenn Clark that throws in a bit for that <laughs> one. Um, some pretty significant items that are to be had in the auction. And the auction, is you're, it's going live at the same time, 7 o'clock tomorrow? That is correct, yes. So yes, everything, yes, yes. you can watch the ceremony. Now, do you have to watch it at 7 tomorrow, Paul? Or if you, let's just say, you know, it's your wife's birthday is this weekend and, and you've got to go do dinner with the family tomorrow night, would you be able to watch it, like, later on tomorrow yes. evening? It launches at 7, and it's free for everyone, anyone to watch after that as well. So you can go and watch that. And that the live auction, the live auction, I believe, is going on for, I think, five days. So I think it ends at the beginning of the weekend, next weekend. So you have time. Even if you don't get on at 7 o'clock, you have time to bid on stuff if you get on a little bit late, too. Okay. So that's, that's what's going on. Um, and, again, the website, one more time, bidpal.net slash 43. Again, 43 Courage Awards. So starting tomorrow at 7 o'clock, where you'll find both the, the ceremony and the event as well as the live auction um, and all these incredible things that you can get. And, and for people, you know, I always feel like you, know, you and I have had so many Ed Block Courage Award conversations over the years that I just assume that everybody knows. But, but let's do this again, Paul, for, for sure, people that sure. don't know exactly how all of this came about and why this is so significant for us every year. Can you explain to people what the Ed Block Courage Awards are all about? And, and when you say the kids, who are those kids that, that we care about so much in this process? Yeah, absolutely. Started in 78 with the Baltimore Colts. Um, and uh, Sam Zavanti got this off the ground uh, back then with Ernie Acorsi, who was the GM of the Colts. Um, and uh, blossomed once the Colts left town into a national gala with all the teams around the National Football League. And really the, 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 the cause is to raise awareness and prevention of child abuse and help kids at risk as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's just blossomed into just an amazing event that is supported by the Professional Football Athletic Trainer Society, who uh, from all over each team help us tremendously. And without PFATS and the athletic trainers, we wouldn't have a foundation there. Just a tremendous supporters. Ron Medlin with the Ravens and his staff and, and all the staff from around the NFL help us in so many ways. And we really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we have 27 courage houses across the country that are affiliated with NFL teams that ha help abused and at-risk children. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what our goal is to – to make a difference and help those kids, and uh, and we do it. And you know we haven't been able to do it the past couple of years in person here in Baltimore, with St. Vincent's Villa, uh, but you know we hope that's going to change next year and we get back to in person. Oh, no doubt. But uh, this this year gave us a great chance to tell our story, and and let each Courage House from across the country tell their story, and some of the, so that you know some of the stuff that's going on around the country and some of the stuff that the Courage Houses uh, that uh, are affiliated with the NFL teams are doing, which. You know, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's no, it's awesome. It's awesome, and more people can see that. And again, I'm with you. May may we be all together in a ballroom next year, um, and celebrating that way. It has been far too long since we've been able to have that type of night. And may my may my wife not get drunk an hour into the thing, so I have to say it's time to go. I'm so sorry, Paul. She did it again. May that be the case. I similarly, I am the most able-bodied uh, uh, human in my family. Uh, very it's nice. it's very a really nice. weird thing.
Hey, uh, uh, Paul, uh, only, I, I'm not going to be able to spend as much time as I wanted, but I do want to get you, you know, just you, you, what you want to tell people about Ryan Odom and the time that you guys were able to spend together um, as he's obviously moved on. I know everybody at UMBC is excited about Jim Ferry. I think it's a great hire. But, you know, what, what, what do you want people to know about Ryan Odom that they might not because you were able to spend so much time with him over the last five years? That's a great, that's a great thing, Glenn, Glenn. And I want to take a minute because, you know, everybody kind of sees how good of a coach Ryan Odom is on the basketball court, but maybe they don't get to see how amazing of a person that he is off the basketball court and how, how much he not only cared about his players and how they did well on the court, but what kind of difference he could make for them off the court. And I think the big, one of the biggest things that stood out to me, this had to be the first or second year that Ryan was the head coach. We went, and we took a trip to Virginia Tech to play the Hokies. And I remember one of the biggest things that I wrote, they'll stand out from the time that Ryan was the head coach was we stopped. And at Virginia Tech, we went to the place where the memorial was for the people that were shot down mm, there mm. at Virginia Tech. And Ryan made it a point to explain to his players that nothing is promised in life and you can never take any day for granted. And that's how you have to live your life. And I think, I think that, you know, he, he, he just was a guy that cared about his kids and wanted to make them better people, not just better basketball players. And, and I think for me, being around sports for as long as I've been, those are the special people. Those are the special people that you have to really tip your hat to that not only care about winning but also care about when my kids leave my program, are they better human beings? And those are the guys that I respect. That's well said, man. That's really well said. And, and, and obviously he will be missed. And, you know, what a remarkable job. It, it not, ju- not just beating Virginia, which everybody knows about, right, but to what you're talking about, it was so much more than that that Ryan Odom did over his five years at UMBC. And we, we're, no, no we're excited he, about what's, what's to come, right? Like, and, and by the way – Oh, I'm excited about Jim Ferry. He elevated the program to where they could go and get a guy like Jim Ferry to come in and be the head coach. Right. Um, And the other thing, too, uh, you know, with Ryan was, you talked about the Virginia win. You know, we'll talk, everybody will always remember that. But the biggest win of that season wasn't the Virginia game. It was Vermont. The biggest win was Vermont. They had lost to Vermont 27 straight times. 27, Glenn, 27 straight times. No doubt. We weren't talking like, oh, man, they beat us at the buzzer or, oh, we lost by five. 20 or 22 of those games, they lost by double digits or more. Including a couple of weeks before in the first game at the new building when they got their asses handed. Just got run out of the building. (laughs) Correct. Got run out of the building, yep. No doubt about it, man. The ability ability to come back mentally and, and do that just speaks volumes about, you know, his ability to get his teams ready to play. Unbelievable. Paul Mittermeier, uh, we will make sure everybody gets to bidpal.net slash 43 Courage Awards uh, starting tomorrow night, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, is when the awards ceremony, the virtual gala goes live as well as the auction. Make sure you're checking it out and constantly supporting the Ed Block Courage Award Foundation and all of the great things they're doing. Uh, Paul, love you, brother. We'll uh, we'll we'll get you back here. We got to figure out a day that we and what the scenario will be to try to get you to eat a tomato. We'll we'll work yes, around sir. we'll work around that. But appreciate right, you as always, good. my I'm, friend. I'm standing by, waiting for the call. Love it, man. Thank you, pal. <laughs>
Paul Mittermeier, love that guy, and appreciate him taking a couple of minutes. And, and please check out the Ed Block Courage Awards this weekend when you get the opportunity. Um, as it's a wonderful thing that we we greatly appreciate the, being a part of in our community. All right, we're into hour number two of the show. Today's program also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, still to come this hour, Kim English, basketball coach at George Mason, Mike Pereira, rules analyst for Fox, and Kyle in the Kitchen, all on the way in some order that I'm not exactly, I haven't determined fully just yet. Okay. We'll figure it out. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Blame Paul. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over so we need to continue to be vigilant do the right things including wearing our masks and if we're gonna wear them why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players home team masks available right now pressboxonline.com slash masks we got a purple and orange state flag neck gator for you as well as the celebrate 8 mvp neck gator and an over the ear faded distress state flag and traditional colors mask they're available pressboxonline.com slash masks let's get this over with wear our masks home team masks baseball is back in full in 2021 and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell hi i'm paul valley and you can catch me along with my co-host zach goodman every saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at press box sports we'll break down every win every loss and everything in between plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to baltimore catch us at pressboxonline.com slash the bat around or at facebook.com slash press box sports that's the bat around every saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at press box sports it takes time to get rich flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of colombia and brazil to royal farms 
but less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is All right, back in here on GCR from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Chesapeake Employers Insurance is your workers' compensation insurance specialist. And if you missed it this week, Stan the Fan had a couple of great shows for you. On Monday, he and Ross Grimsley caught up with Orioles legend Mike Boddicker. And on Wednesday, we were just talking about uh, UMBC. Jim Ferry, the new UMBC basketball coach, joined he and Gary Stein. If you missed either show... Click on the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, or you can find them at pressboxonline.com. Stan Shows is always brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Had to do this a little bit earlier on because of his schedule, laying the foundation, a new program, but a Baltimore native and now first-time head coach, Kim English, joins us now here on GCR. And a pleasure now to be joined here on GCR by a man who has always made us proud as Baltimoreans, and now he has taken on his first role as a head coach in college basketball, as he is the new head coach of the George Mason Patriots. It's a pleasure to welcome in head coach Kim English, who's with us here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn. It's always good to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Glad to glad to hop on with you. Absolutely, man. All right, coach, take me back. When when did you know? Like in your life, you know, you were obviously a high level player. When did it start creeping into your mind coaching was the route that you think you might want to go? Um, I've always kind of known I wanted to be a coach. Um, even back when I was in the midst of my 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 plan days. But um it happened a little sooner than I thought, hmm. you know, when I when I was out of the NBA after pretty much a year um i uh started to work on you know you know locking down an opportunity and a position a little bit more aggressively than i had been in the past it's just kind of you know thinking it would be when my plan days were over as in as a 40 year old in 30 late 30s um so uh but no i was very fortunate um very fortunate And, and um very thankful for the opportunity that I have in front of me. You're 32 years old. Um, give me the positives, the negatives for, for taking over as a head coach somewhere for, at being 32. Um, I, I don't know how to comment on the negatives. I say that, you know, any dream that you have is, should be a little scary and uh, should scare you a little, but it should excite you a lot. Um, so I guess yeah, the negative is I've never done it. I guess so I've never called a timeout. I've never, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I've never, you know, ran up and down the sideline during a game. And uh, but you now the positives are I think I understand our players intimately. I understand what they're feeling, what they're thinking, um, what they're seeing on the court. You know, you know, as 
I see what you were looking for when you turned that ball over and I can have the emotional intelligence not to go berserk about it. Um, I understand it. Like, I, I know what it feels like, you know, coaches say, don't bend over, keep your hand. No, I know it feels really good to bend over. Somebody. And I don't know that it's scientifically um, unhealthy for you to bend over. I think a lot of those old folklores are just that. Um, so, no, I guess the answer is we'll see. We'll see what the yeah. positives are. We'll see what the negatives are. As an assistant, have there been moments where guys have, like, maybe treated you too much like their older brother and not enough? like a coach that you've had to say, Hey, like, man, I, I know we're not that far apart, but like, come on, we, you know, I still got to be the one to lead you. No, there's no ego with me. I mean, I get after it with our guys. I, I am like their big brother um, and their coach. So there's great respect. They know when, when we step on the court, there are no games. I'm not joking at all. Like I am dead serious. Um, you know, off the court, we rib, we joke, we good, and, and I can take it. Um, but no, there's, I've never had any issues with any of my players, um, you know, crossing the line with me. Like, if I take it there with you on the court from a competitive standpoint, like I will, you got free range to take it right back to me. That's great. Like, I'm, I'm with it. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to assert my dominance in position. Like, I'm this coach, like, I'm just kind of getting comfortable being called coach, to be honest with you. (laughs) Some of our players now call me Kim and like, again, there's no ego. I don't, that's my name. Like I'm not coach. (laughs) coach. Like I don't, I don't have the shirt that says coach, like, you know, Um, but yeah. I, I respect that. I respect that. Kim English is with us. Of course, the pride of Randallstown. He's now the head coach at George Mason. He joins us here on GCR. Um, Kim, your path to this point, right? You know, we talk about obviously the years you now spent in his assistant after your career ended. Um, what's the best thing that you've learned from another coach along the way? You know, even going back to being a, a kid, what's the best thing that you've learned from another coach that you know you'll take with you as a head coach and you'll do because of the time you spent with this person? Um, that's a great question. Uh, it's, um, man, well, there's not one thing. There's there's something from every coach that I've ever had. Um, from Tom Thibodeau and Mike Schwartz, our associate head coach at Tennessee, mm-hmm. and from Mike Anderson, I learned a defensive system that is conducive to winning at a high level. Um, from Mike Anderson, I learned the value of, of – of, of working on dribbling and passing the ball as a team and a unit every day from Rick Barnes. I learned the value of hiring well and sitting back and letting them do their job. Like there are days that I don't see my staff outside of our meeting in the gym because they have the freedom to do what they need to do, do what I expect them to do and know that I'm not hovering over them, micromanaging. Um, I hired them now do the job that I hired you to do. Um, you know, from Tad Boyle, I learned that 90% of college basketball games are won before the ball is ever thrown up. Hmm. Um, hmm. And from Frank Haith, I learned that having the confidence of your head coach as a player is a supernatural feeling. It's something that cannot be replicated or duplicated. Um, it's powerful. 
And uh, through hard work, through sweat equity, if you can get that, if your player can feel that, I think special things can happen. Uh, there's a term that we use with basketball players from Baltimore. We say Baltimore tough, right? And it represents the fact that, you know, in comparison to maybe D.C. or Philly or New York, there's not quite as much attention. And, and you have to play a little bit more aggressively and, and get people to notice. And I'm wondering how that translates as a coach. And you were kind of talking about this a second ago with the things that you're willing to do and, and get up in, in somebody's face and be aggressive. But th- can that Baltimore tough concept – translate in coaching in a way that's a little bit different than maybe somewhere somebody from somewhere else yeah i mean i don't know i mean mick cronin's pretty tough he's from cincinnati bob huggins pretty tough you know he's from west virginia uh you know i i've learned in coaching that 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 there are forms of toughness from everywhere i played with a kid growing up who was from columbia maryland named chase adams and i used to think chase wasn't really that I thought Columbia was kind of soft. Chase Adams is one of the toughest dudes I've ever came across. So, mm. yeah, I, I, and I've met some soft dudes from Baltimore, you know. So I don't necessarily want to equate the city with, um, with being from the city with toughness, but there is absolutely a toughness that the, 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 the best guards from, from Baltimore have. And um, that's a part of who I am. Yep. So I've never thought about what it means in coaching, but it just – has become right like Chester Frazier has it like it is just who he is yeah right it's just who I am I don't I'm going to compete in recruiting I'm going to compete every single day on the court with our guys help push them make them better when we play one-on-one I'm going to try to absolutely kill them (laughs) like because I know that's the only way that they'll get better you know, is by continually pushing them and challenging them so that when it is time to actually compete in the competition for games, they'll be ready. They'll be hardened. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that there is absolutely a toughness associated with, you know, when we were coming up, when we were out of town playing AAU games or high school games. Um, and it has a reputation around the country. You know, when I when people say or ask me where I'm from and they here in Baltimore, there is there is something that goes with that mm-hmm. that people know and respect. And I appreciate that. And um, no, it's definitely who I am. I think we've seen a lot of that from Daryl Morcel in the last couple of years. Some of that just relentless, no about it. Yeah, relentless toughness. That was a great defender. You you were talking a minute ago about your staff, and, and I think a lot of people know Dennis Felton and and locally, um, Dwayne Simpkins is someone that has meant a lot to a lot of people in in this area for a long time. Um, how important was it to have those local ties and putting your staff together? And particularly Dwayne, you know, not not a lot of guys, you know, stick around, you know, in, in situations like this. Can you tell me about how that came together? You know, I thought it was when I took the job, I was really looking at, you know, wanting to hire someone um, specifically with D.C. ties. Like, I'm good in Baltimore. I'm fine. Um, I, I, I really wanted to identify someone with strong ties in D.C., but as I got closer to it, I was like, but there was a but. I really wanted to have someone that I could trust deeply and know had my back. And um, as I was talking to different people, kind of vetting some different candidates and some really good candidates that I will continue to have a relationship with because you never know what happens. It's just Dwayne Simpson, Simpkins gets a head coaching job, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere else or um 
but as, as I started to vet other people, coaches and AAU people, um, some NBA personnel that have that are familiar with this area, so many people just were given unsolicited positive reviews about Sim. Hmm. Forget what he was as a player. Forget what he's done as a coach in 10 years at Towson and UNC Greensboro and here at George Mason. But as the person, like just absolutely raved about him as a person. And that kind of, it just hit me. And when I got to sit down and speak with him, I was really impressed with the basketball coach. Obviously, you're impressed with the fact that he's a six-foot McDonald's All-American and played in the ACC. Hmm. But when I got to sit down and actually talk basketball with him and hear his excitement and his um, his toughness and grit, kind of spoke the same language. And I have been so pleased with what he's done in my first 29 days here. Um, he's been phenomenal. He's so good. He's so good. And um, we, we, George Mason University is really lucky to have George, Ma George have Dwayne Simpkins on our staff. This is probably, you know, as we're winding down, this is probably one that requires a lot more thought, but, you know, we'll try to do it in a, in a truncated version. Um, being a coach in this moment in our country with everything that's going on, being a black basketball coach in this moment with everything that's going on with, young men who, who have things they want to say and, and things they're feeling. Um, what is the role of a coach in that moment? And how do you encourage guys to use their voice and step up in these moments, um, but still trying to focus on being good basketball players? Like how, how does all of that work as a coach? Um, support your student athletes, support your young men, um, get to know them. Um, help them, right? You know, listen to them and, and lead them to do whatever th they feel conviction to do, right? If, if you have a player that is feeling pain or trauma or upset or has experienced trauma, um, listen to him and let him know that you absolutely support him. Um, you know, you know, help him gain materials to help educate him on how we can make systemic change in this area, in this region, in this country, in this world. Right. Talk about books, go to lunch, read a book with him, um, encourage him to speak his mind. Right? invoke his First Amendment right of a freedom of speech. Um, if you have a player that experiences has experienced that same trauma and anger and upsetness, but doesn't feel as comfortable putting themselves out there on a social media platform or stage. Love him and listen to him or her just as much, right? And I said this, our team at Tennessee, we didn't have a lot of outspoken guys. Okay. Like they, did, they weren't tweeting stuff about, you know, social injustice and stuff. And I let them know that that is okay too, right? There is something that I called, there's player activism, right? Like if Devontae Gaines, who's now coming to George Mason, Devontae Gaines is from humble beginnings in Buffalo, New York. And Devontae Gaines, not outspoken about what's going on, but he absolutely feels upsetness and pain 
of what he's seeing on his TV. Devontae Gaines could decide that he's going to make change by really, really focusing on his game, by dedicating himself to basketball, by dedicating himself to his education. Devontae Gaines can graduate from the University of Tennessee, or he's, now he's going to graduate from the University of George Mason, from George Mason University, sorry. And he's going to have a professional career in basketball. He's going to have a professional career after basketball. And he's going to get married, and he's going to have kids, and he's going to absolutely change the outcome of his life hmm. Hmm. because of his focus now. And when Devontae Gaines is $900,000 in the bank richer and stable, and he decides to invoke his activism in the lens of philanthropy or charity, now he's in a position to. So someone wants to speak out, man, more power to him. If someone wants to stay quiet and, 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 and do what they have to do to make sure that themselves are okay, there's nothing wrong with either. That's powerful, man. Is there a book you'd recommend before I let you go, Kim? Is there, is there, you know, and, and maybe even for uh, those of us that want to try to be better allies, right? Like, is there a book you'd recommend? Um, man, there's so many, um, there's so many, uh, there's a book, uh, how to be anti-racist, hmm. which is incredibly powerful. You know, it's not enough to be non-racist. Mm -hmm. That's 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 not enough. Like you know, we 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 should be against it. Um, I think that's a great book. Kim English, we are uh, we're so thrilled for you, man. You know, like we are. It's it's an awesome story to see you have the success. We're not remotely surprised uh, by your rise in this profession. Um, best of luck with George Mason. We'll be checking in for sure. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes and sure. joining us this morning. Thank you. Appreciate it. Kim English, man, he's amazing. Um, 32 years old. He's 32 years old. He's brilliant. He's always been brilliant. Um, and so in that way, I'm not remotely surprised. Kim English was trying to buck the NCAA system years ago. I mean, Kim English is, is a genius. And so um, George Mason is very lucky to have him. And I have no doubt that there will be a quick ascension for Kim English in in his life as a head basketball coach, and that he will be headed up, up, up very soon. Appreciate him taking the time for us this morning. All right, let's do things a little out of order today. We're going to talk to Mike Pereira in a few minutes. So before we get to him, let's do Tidbit and Tubular, and then we'll save Kyle in the kitchen to wrap up today's show. Tidbit brought to you today by Window Nation. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. All right, start with a little fun fact. Of course, we uh, know the Browns did extend their fifth-year option for Baker Mayfield, keeping him around, and that's you know a bit of change of scene for them, considering they've had quite many quarterbacks in their time. How many quarterbacks, Glenn? Well... 26. By the way, it's That's something people are talking about. The, the Ravens would need to do that with Lamar. They're going to, right. obviously. Um, they need to do it by, what's the date? 
I saw this floating around this morning here. Go, go ahead. I'll... Well, 26 times the Browns have had a different starting quarterback since 2004. That is You're not going to ask me to fewer, name all of them, are you? Two fewer than the Steelers, Ravens, and Bengals combined. Uh, May 3rd is the date where you have to a- exercise his fifth-year option. It yeah. would be $23.1 well, million. Dollars. I know. I'm just. It's interesting, I'm relevant joking. information. Just joking. Yes. Of course, we talked a little bit about the Ravens and their proclivity to throw to the middle of the football field. Last year, they threw to the middle 42% of the throws from Lamar Jackson. No other offense was above 29% in football. So, significant gulf there between one and two. And it's not just the Ravens' stat keeper. The Ravens' defense was actually above average in preventing throws across the middle of hmm. the field. Hmm. There are only two receivers in football since 2019 with at least 14 games of 90 or more receiving yards. Who are they? Say that one more time. Two receivers in all of football since 2019 have at least 14 games with 90 or more receiving yards. Who are they? Diggs. Stephon Diggs is number one with yeah. 16. It's the least surprising thing here. The other one is the one that I thought was going to be tricky. Um, Hopkins. No. Devontae Adams. No. Uh, Keenan. No, he was hurt. Keenan Allen. No. He was hurt. Uh, how about how about how about Allen Robinson? No. How's about how's about Michael Thomas? No. Uh, he was hurt too. Going to guys that have been hurt. Um, Julio. No. Godwin. No. Evans. No. Thielen. No. Hill. No. Allen. No. What are you guessing, didn't you? I did. Cooper. No. Cup. No. You see what yeah, I did I there? No. Metcalf. No. Brown. No. Lockett. No. Your boy T.Y. Hilton. No. Brandon Cooks. No. Jarvis Landry. No. Tyler Boyd. No. Juju. No. Is it a receiver? Yes. Okay. Robbie Anderson. No. DJ Moore. Oh, yes. it's both the Terps. They okay. Both How about Maryland that? Terps. How about that? That's interesting. All right. Very good. Totally Tubular brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or c3america.com for a free analysis. All right, here's what's coming up. Totally tubular this weekend. O's, A's. As of last night, there'd only be a few starting pitchers that had been announced. I'll double-check on that right now, see if any more have come through. The answer is no. Tonight, we know it's going to be on uh, Mass and 2, 7 o'clock, Cole Irvin and Jorge Lopez. Tomorrow on Mass and 2, 7 o'clock, Chris Bassett and might be you. Might be you. I mean, we should know, right? Like, who... Oh, I, this would have been. Oh no, this would have been Kramer's spot in the rotation, right? That's the reason why we don't know because can they come up with a roster move to bring back Dean Kramer early or? It's above my pay grade. Yeah, I don't know, and they haven't announced anything for Sunday just yet. 
Uh, tonight on Big Ten Network, Maryland and Iowa baseball at 8 o'clock. I got a good one, D3 level, uh, York and Stevenson tonight on GoMustangSports.tv. Both top 15 teams should be a good one at 7. Wizards Thunder 8 on NBC Sports Washington. Uh, tomorrow, some other highlights. Oh, big lacrosse day tomorrow. Uh, CBS Sports Network, Army-Navy at noon. Uh, ESPNU, Maryland Hopkins at 2. ESPN Plus, Loyola Lafayette at 2. Towson Sports Network for Delaware and Towson at noon. Lack Sports Net for UMBC Stony Brook at noon. Um, the Maryland Spring Football Game tomorrow at noon on the Fox Sports app. It re-airs on Big Ten Network at 4 o'clock. NBC Sports Washington tomorrow for Caps Islanders at 7 o'clock. There's uh, there's a fight tomorrow night. Kum Kumaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal. It's a biggie. UFC 261 at 10 o'clock on pay-per-view. By the way, they're doing the bit. They are letting as many people come into the arena as they want to mm. in Jacksonville. So there's that. It's indoor, correct? It is indeed indoors. NBC Sports Washington on Sunday. Cavs, Wizards, 7 o'clock. And I don't know. The Oscars. Are, that's not sports, but, you know, it's big. So... Sunday night at 8 o'clock on ABC. Oh, you're going to go ahead and take that? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take it. And Dodgers-Padres, by the way, every game this weekend on national TV. Tonight, 10 o'clock, MLB Network. Tomorrow, 9 o'clock on MLB Network. And Sunday night, uh, 7 on ESPN. So there'll be a lot of Dodgers-Padres in my life this weekend. Some non-sports uh, highlights besides the Oscars? Uh, Yeah, basically the Oscars. Oh, the Sunday. Oscars. Yeah, you should have said that. Uh, tonight, Falcon Winter Soldier, the finale of it. I, I had no idea. Well, it's now. It's on now. Correct. Yeah. But you said tonight. Well, yeah, well, I might watch it be. as soon as the show ends. Who maybe, knows? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. We'll see. Uh, Van Helsing. I pray to the Lord. Oh, yeah, Ten o'clock. I see Van Helsing. Blacklist. I swear to God, I will slay him. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Stuff and things. Uh, nothing too insane. Die. Die. But yeah, check it out. Like Die. I can't. Good. I'm putting my prayer. I definitely appreciate your rendition. Well, he's not on hold. He will be in a second. Well, that, if, I, if he was on hold, I might not have wasted time singing all of the wonderful songs from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, a true American classic. Such a great film. Hey, if you haven't picked up the print issue of PressBox yet, get to your neighborhood Royal Farms right now. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com on the cover. Orioles ace John means a great story about him, about Chris Holt, uh, and how he's taken over all of the, the pitching stuff for the entire organization. Again, get that issue right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms or any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Mike Pereira scheduled to join us in just a minute. We are going to go over um, the uh, the new the, the new rules that were and were not approved this week. We do this conversation, it seems like, every year around this time. And then we'll get to Kyle in the kitchen before we wrap up today's program. I do not know what's on tap for Kyle in the kitchen this week. He didn't tell me, but I think I know that he did get us a prop, which makes me happy. I think I did see that. So that's a good thing. He is in Mexico right now. What is he? What, my I, I, he's an incredibly I know gracious he's, man. I know he's a tequila man, so I don't know if the... No, he's a Tito's man. That's what he is. He's not a tequila man. Mike Pereira, what are you doing in Mexico? Are you on vacation and spending time with us? That's amazing. I can't... I'm not on vacation because, to me, if you're going to go on vacation, it kind of indicates that you have a job. I mean, <laughs> I don't really work, so I'm, I'm just down here doing a little fishing and playing a little golf. Man. And, uh, Yes, drinking a little tequila. I've, I put my Tito's uh, away for a while, and um, and just uh, t I'm testing every 
margarita in Puerto Adventuras, Mexico, to see which one is the best. Where is Puerto? And I'm not done yet. By where, the way. where is Puerto Adventuras? Where exactly about, is that? Uh, it's about ten miles south of Playa del Carmen, about oh. an hour south of Cancun. It's really just a fishing village, is what it is. Okay. And um, I actually been coming here for like sixteen years now um, for couple weeks at a time. Oh, Very awesome. nice. Well, thank you for taking this time for us, Mike Pereira. I really appreciate that. That's unbelievably kind of you to do. Um, can you pot? I know, I know we do this every year. We have this exact conversation. Why are we another year going by and we still can't get Sky Judge into play? What is the hang up on Sky Judge? Well, I mean, it's just so disappointing to me. I mean, because all the, 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 things that I have heard, the reasons why not to do it, that have come from many of the pundits who I know get it from the NFL. They're concerned. They don't want to add a lot of penalties. And, and is the sky judge going to call holding, you know, on the opposite side of the field? It, the, the, the problem is they just didn't try to put it in a narrow spot to where you say, okay, and this is what, this is what I said to get it started. What's the one priority of the league? It's player safety. So let's have this guy judge get involved in any player safety foul. So if something is called a roughing the passer penalty is called, but you see in the replay, it's not roughing the passer, it's shoulder to the chest. Let him get that flag picked up. Let him give the input to pick up the flag. If there's a big hit on a receiver that is a foul and is not called, it's player safety. Let's put it on, but let's keep it at that. And maybe since point of emphasis is taunting, another big 15-yard penalty, those two things. And if you want to throw in a little caveat of saying, okay, we'll let this guy get input on pass interference in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter or the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, maybe do that, but very narrow. You're not going to add a lot of fouls, but you're going to be able to make some corrections right. on the biggest one. But my, my, my thing is here is that it just doesn't have any backing. I mean, I know Harb's, you know, proposed it this year, but when I read the responses that come from the officiating department, it's like it's not necessary. So if the officiating department doesn't back it and they're not strongly for it, um, then it really has no chance. I mean, hey, it's easy to go back, but if, if, if I was head of the department um, still – I'd probably be dead, but if I <laughs> if I was, I might go to the media and say, I want this. Right. I need to have this. Take a look at the stats on roughing the passer. Take a look at the accuracy rate on roughing the passer in terms of calls that are made that are incorrect or calls that should have been made that aren't. The accuracy of that call is astoundingly poor. So 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 why not? I mean, why not do it into this narrow area? You think it's consistent on illegal use of the helmet? Heck no. It's almost impossible to officiate. But don't you're not going to include holding and the play clock and defense offside and illegal con You're not going to do that. Just make it narrow to get the big calls right and to protect the players. And um, it's like I feel this and I still feel it, felt it and I still feel the same way. It's going to come. It's going to come. And so why do you at least not say this year, okay, let's do it for every preseason game and mm. develop some data mm. to, see, to see how it works. And it, it could, it, it'll, it's not see how it would work because it would work.
There's no question it would work, but it is disappointing to me. I want to talk about the expanded roles that are going to exist for replay, but before we do that, Mike, what just jumps out at me, and and correct me if I'm wrong, the the biggest issue and the reason why all this conversation began was because of what happened one time in an NFC Championship game. And to my understanding, as we sit here in 2021, we have nothing in place that would have solved that problem should something similar arise again. They tried something utterly insane in order to fix it, realized that was as insane as we all knew it was going to be, abandoned it, and now we, we have nothing. If that were to occur again, we'd be in the exact same spot that we were at that point, right? That's correct. That's correct. And that's why I say do a, do a catch-all when it comes to pass interference in the last five minutes of the game. Look at in the championship game, there was a real bad pass interference miss in the first quarter. It wasn't called. should have been called. How much discussion did that generate? None. None. Of course. I mean, the discussion came because it was the end of the game. Um, and, and so, obviously, it becomes far more important. But, again, just narrow the categories. Look, when we started with replay in 1999, it was pretty narrow then. I mean, it was only lines, planes, and ground. And now it's into, you know, judgment call on, you know, did the receiver have the ball long enough to make the football move? And in real time, you say no. And then you look at it at replay and you slow it down. Well, yeah. So it's just like judgment doesn't belong in replay. And I don't, I am not for expanding. I was not for expanding their role as they decided to do, um, you know, because I think there's complications from, from that, but um, I, I just, Harbs was right in proposing it, um, and probably where we didn't go far enough, and, and maybe John didn't go far enough, was to say, okay, here's to say here's what we want, but maybe should have gone further to say, how do we implement it? Yeah. And, and, um, and I think there was an easy way. It's just to hire 17, there's 17 crews, 17 more officials, and, um, and not, not specifically a guy that hasn't officiated before, but hire another crew member. So he's the eighth member of the crew. And what you do in that role of the, of the, uh, the sky judge is you rotate it, yeah. you rotate it from the crew. So the three deep officials, most of the issues come from, you know, hits on defenseless receiver or illegal use of helmet contact, rotate it so that a guy's in the booth, like once every three games, I mean, the, the game, as far as the deep side officials, it's, it's not that difficult. You could work all three positions. Um, and then I think what you would do is you'd be able to immediately bring in 18 new officials. And I will say this, the new officials coming in now are more prepared than when I ran the program, thanks to their developmental program that they have. Bring in 18 new ones. Let's get them, let's get them on the field and let them rotate into the uh, sky judge position. I think it'd be wonderful for officiating, but it just didn't have the support. And I'm not even sure it really didn't have the support of the, uh, of the officials either. Fox's Mike Pereira is with us here on GCR. And I, and I agree, you're not hiring 17 sky judges. You're hiring 17 officials and, and Correct. In, in one week, they're going to be a sky judge. Um, Mike, what do we need to know about the expanded roles for replay now? Like, what, 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 what does actually change in 2021? Well, to me, the only thing that changes is if they can correct things that would have to be challenged, um, and they can do it in real time. They can. 
So you're talking about those plays that are already reviewable. They're already listed in the rule book, um, but in many cases would necessitate a challenge. Um, and so now replay official A sees a pass that's uh, ruled incomplete on the field, and if he gets a, 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 a shot, a replay that shows that, oh, it was ruled incomplete, but he sees, oh, the second foot's down, and, and he could correct it easily, then he'll, he'll, he'll basically save the team from having to challenge that situation and theoretically would save time because you wouldn't go to, you know, you wouldn't have to go through the three-minute thing of, you know, having New York review it and all that kind of stuff. But the danger to me is, you know, I, now I don't want to work for a team, you know, in a replay role and I see it and it looks to me it's ruled on the field complete and it looks to me that it's incomplete and pretty obvious it's incomplete. And normally I would say to John, yeah, hey, go, challenge right, it, but, but now, now you don't, i got to wait. Right, you don't want to waste your challenge. You don't want to waste yeah, your challenge gonna, in that I'm, situation. I'm, are they going to stop it? Are they going to stop it? And so you're yeah, going to have this period. It, it's, just, it's just, to me, see, I've said this, and everybody gets mad at me. I get it. I mean, everybody in the league gets mad at me. But even in my time, when, when we have an issue, when we have a – laceration in the rules um we tend to cover them with band-aids when it comes to rule changes and move on and and to me this is another indication of that it the timing is ripe for an eighth official college has eight officials and and um, pretty much every level has eight officials and so you could do it and I, i look at this and say think of how many times during the course of a game it would be interesting to track Think how many times a flag is thrown downfield and the officials end up getting together. And then the referee comes out and says, there's no foul on the play. Right. Because the officials got together and talked about it. And somebody had a different view and convinced the official that threw the flag to pick it up. What's the difference if you have the eighth official who just could give you that extra uh, input after seeing it, you know, mm-hmm. on the, uh, you know, on a replay, what's the difference? What's the difference? People say it would look weird. It will look weird if all of a sudden the referee comes out and says, there is a foul for roughing the passer um, on number 99 defense. And it will look weird because it'll be after the fact. But how weird did it look in 1999 when officials went over onto the sideline and looked under a hood at something, and people wondered if they were looking at football or a movie. <laughs> right. um, it, it's well, just, and now it's, it's just part of life, right? You know, exactly. Here we are two and decades later, and, 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 and we can't imagine right. imagine trying to explain to a 20-year-old today there was a time where things could just be wrong, you know, egregiously wrong, and there was nothing anybody could do about it, right? Right. Like, like right. It, it's crazy to think about it that way. Right. Um, right. What did you make of, uh, and, and I still can't tell how joking it was, but, but Tom Brady suggesting that the numbers thing could have, could create issues, you know, maybe particularly for officials in who's where on the field and where they're supposed to be and whether it's okay that they're in. Is there anything to be made for an impact of guys changing numbers in terms of how the game is officiated? Zero. Okay. Zero impact. All you care about is offense when it comes to eligible numbers. That's it. So you're talking about one to 49 eligible numbers. That's it. I mean, you could, you could put defense, you could put a number two as a linebacker, and it makes no – it, it's all defensive yes. players are They're eligible. They're allowed to be anywhere period. they want to be on the field. 
Yeah, so it's not an issue. And I think, Tom, I mean, you can't convince me that a quarterback as good as he is, you know, he's going to look across the field. And I promise you, I promise you, when he sees number two, he knows it's a linebacker. He knows who it is. He'll know who it is by name. Right. And so I, I think, you know, it's the preparation of saying a little bit more, I guess we have to be aware that this guy is this. But that, if, if the center is confused by a number um, or a quarterback is confused by a number, and I, I think it might be time to look at the center and look at the quarterback. I think it's a non-issue. And obviously, this is something in, in college football has has existed eternally, right? So, right. It, it should Absolutely. be it should be no issue. Anything else of the of the mind the more minor rules changes? Anything else that you think? Hey, this might be one that we actually end up talking about more than we're talking about this week. Well, I think you are, and it hasn't. I mean, I, and I really uh, haven't seen a lot more written about it, but I think it passed um and this is the new blocking below the waist rule mm-hmm. so as we know in a change of possession play after a change of possession there's no blocking below the waist period we know that on a kick play once the ball is kicked there's no blocking below the waist period well now you have a new zone and um you all think of the tackle box we all think of the tackle box and now it's called the tight end box and so it, this, this now states, as I read this change, that outside of the tight end box, which doesn't go like all the way back to the goal line, it's like five yards on either side of the line of scrimmage and inside the tight end position, outside of that, you can't block below the waist, period, um, even, even on a straight running play. And, and that is a step toward college football, who has kind of been the leader in protecting lower leg injuries. Um, it's pretty hard to block below the waist, you know, legally in college, unless you're directly in front, they call it 10 to two. This one even takes it a step further. So if you are beyond five yards downfield and you are outside this tackle box, um, you can't block below the waist, period. And so I think that's one that's uh, going to be interesting to look at, um, and I think we'll hear about. Taunting, I, I agree it's gotten out of hand. That's not going to turn out to be um, much of an issue, but okay. that's one of their points of emphasis. And uh, it always is. You'll, we'll, see a, we'll see a lot of them in the preseason, right? And I used to – people ask me, well, in the preseason, do you call more fouls just to, you know, just to make a statement – you know, and then do you let off during the during during once the regular season starts? Do you back off? And I always used to say, "Oh no, oh no, we call them the same in the preseason as we will call them in the regular season." I was such a liar, <laughs> such a liar. Um, you know, so we'll see we'll see more taunting calls. I think in the preseason, but I don't think there'll be an epidemic of uh, taunting calls. Although. Um, I will say that uh, they have gotten more lenient in the last uh, few years. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate that honesty, Mike Pereira. Uh, can we get a plug in for Battlefields to Ballfields? Yep, working hard. Battlefields to Ballfields is our foundation. Um, we have over 400 veterans and uh, active service members, too, that, that are now officiating around the country, all sports, the the foundation pays for all the expenses to become an official and does it for three years. And uh, it's my, it's my uh, life's work right now. And um, we've been successful. We're working at it. We want to get to 500. 
um, uh, veterans and actives out there, but uh, anybody that's interested to hear about it and any veteran that's listening to this or any service member that has any thought of becoming an official in any sport, it's Battlefields, the number two, Ballfields, Battlefields2Ballfields.org. And you can sign up and apply for a scholarship, and um, or if you're so inclined to make a donation, we'd love to have it. That's wonderful. It's incredible work that you're doing, Mike, and, 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 and such a, a unique concept, and, and I, I can't commend you enough for it. At, well, that's uh, why I'm down here in Mexico. I'm looking for recruits. Yeah, that's, that's exactly why, why you took the trip. You're trying to go find <laughs> – if anybody's out there fishing. Hey, guys, any of you guys veterans? Yeah? I, Mike Pereira. At Mike Pereira on Twitter. Um, enjoy the tequila, the margaritas down there, man. Always appreciate, really appreciate you squeezing in time while you're, uh, you're out having fun and, and fishing this week. Uh, love doing this. It's always so very, very informative when we have this conversation every year. Well, man. you guys are great and um, I'm happy to be able to do it. Thank you as always, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. It's... Got it. See you. Mike Pereira from Fox. Um, I, a lot of stuff in there, right? And I, I continue to be. I cannot believe, I really cannot believe, think about this, all of these conversations stem from one play. One play, which was so egregious that we needed to rip up and try bat-s insane concepts in order to fix it. And here we are, a couple of years later, and not a damn thing would be done about it if it occurred again. How crazy is that? I feel like I'm the one losing my mind, right? Like, this was the most seminal moment. We had to rip up every sane concept. We introduced the dumbest concept in the history of officiating in response to this one moment. And instead of actually solving the problem, when that didn't work, we said, well, guys, there's just nothing we can do. Sorry. We tried. We deserve to have it happen to us. We deserve for a major football game this season to be determined by an insane no call where the replay official says, I, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to do it. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to do anything. Because for whatever effing reason, we're afraid of Sky Judge, which remember a couple of years ago, 32 of 32 head coaches informally voted in favor of. Am I taking crazy pills? What is going on? This is insanity. Wait. I, I don't even, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't know how to compare it to something. I don't know what the comparison would be. I mean, I really don't. I I don't I, I like imagine a, a law loophole somewhere that you're like, well, actually, you know, this is gonna be weird, um, but it's technically legal to uh, commit armed robberies on Sundays in in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Weird bit, right? Just a law loophole, and they found out about it, and they were like, well, this is really embarrassing. Like this is boy, egg on our face, you know. We we were just we we couldn't prosecute the guys that committed the armed robberies on a Sunday because of this weird law that was written that said we couldn't prosecute and so instead of like closing that and saying well let's make sure that now it's illegal they tried something else they were like well here's what we'll do we'll get pigeons 
And we'll, we'll, I like this we'll have pigeons stand guard on Sundays to make sure there are no armed robberies. That sounds about right to me. And it just so happened to be that there wasn't, there weren't. Well, like, if you it's know, hawks, then everyone's happy. That's huh? a good point. Yeah, uh-huh. all right. But we do pigeons. Right. Yeah. Um, and instead, they're like, you know what? The pigeons didn't really do anything to stop the. It's crazy. The pigeons, we, we, we couldn't stop the armed robberies with the pigeons. So I guess there's just nothing we can do. We're just going to have to leave armed robberies illegal on Sundays in Plymouth, Massachusetts, man. I'm so, I'm so sorry. It's the way it's going to be. Like, what the F is this? And nobody's talking about it. We're all just sort of like, yeah. And, and I'm the one. I'm So I'm the crazy one, huh? I'm the crazy one. Because I think we should solve the problem. I think we should make sure that the thing that happened in the Rams-Saints game never happens again. But instead, we're just like, meh. We'll hope for the best. You're going to do Kyle in the kitchen when we come back in? Yes? Yes. Okay, Jesus Christ. What happened to you? You got very quiet. I wasn't sure if we, if you knew we had to take a break still. Yes, I knew we had to take a break. Right. Calm, back, calm down, positive. man. Calm down. I'm talking about something. Trying to have a conversation. I don't Jesus. put it past the NFL to make silly decisions. Yes, but this is this is not silly. This is utterly effing insane. Yes. This is utterly bat s crazy. I still can't get over the idea that it's all because it wasn't their idea in the first place. But they're not doing anything else. Correct. It's one thing for them to say, well, we don't even if if that's the part. Even if it's, you know, hey, well, we didn't come up with Sky Judge, Sky Judge, so we're not going to do it. To do something. They tried something. It didn't work, so they're done. They just, just uh, we give up. We they just fixed, give up. They fixed the problem that they created, <laughs> and they're going to hope the other one doesn't rear its ugly head. It's so ins- This is crazy. Today's show brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. We'll come back in. Kyle's in the kitchen to wrap it up for the week. It's Glenn Clark Radio. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia Bay. Base Brewery, Devil's Backbone, and 
take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. The weather is warming up. The days are longer. Do your windows open to let the fresh spring air in? Are they old, cracked, and outdated? The spring rush is on for home improvement projects. One great way to improve the look, feel, and value of your home is with new windows. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio, 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, winding down for a Friday edition of the program from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Today's show also brought to you by K&S Automotive in Hamden. For over 40 years, KNS Automotive has been restoring, repairing, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and quality customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work, they've got you covered. Give them a call right now, 410-235-6660. Go to knsimports.com. That's K&S Automotive, knsimports.com. We wrap up the, uh, the week by going in the kitchen. Kyle in the Kitchen, brought to you this week. By Grade 8's memorabilia, and of course, our big event next Thursday night, April 29th, our draft party, including a live broadcast of the Project Game Day draft special, myself, KZ, Jeremy Kahn. It is a great event, Grade 8's memorabilia, taking care of Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland. It's hosted by Gus Edwards. Starts at 7 o'clock next Thursday at Looney's Pub, Perry Hall. The event is free. Raffles, mini silent auction, food and drink specials all night long. We'll be there. If you want to meet Gus and get your picture and autograph, you need to get a ticket for the meet and greet. I, I can only say this so many times. you got to get a ticket for the meet and greet. 
That's how we're raising money for Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland. So go right now to greateightsmemorabilia.com, greateights, the number eight, greateightsmemorabilia.com, or to Mission Ticks to get your tickets. And if you use the code GLENN, G-L-E-N-N, all caps, it's the opposite of no cap, all caps, wow. no cap. You get it? All caps, Brilliant. no cap. Use that. You'll save $8 on your ticket for your meet and greet with Gus Edwards next Thursday night as part of our big party. Again, greateightsmemorabilia.com. Kyle in the Kitchen is taped in front of a live studio audience. Kyle, what did you? What was your adventure in the kitchen this week? So I've been talking a little bit of a big game of my roasted tomatoes. Oh, right. Yes, this was a, a holdover. And I have an admission. Okay. It's not... It's not perfect yet. Oh, I'm not perfect it didn't go yet. Well. It didn't not go well. They're still delicious. Mm. The end result and the product still look delicious, still tasted delicious. But I got a white whale that I'm chasing as far as what I'm going for here. I mean, there's a certain grocery store not far from here mm-hmm. that sells what they call Roasted Tomatoes Davina. Ooh. Come to find out, Davina could just be a brand. All right, could just be like a specific. Does, doesn't imported. specifically mean they're divine right. roasted tomatoes. Well, they are. My okay. God, they are. Right. Could just be a brand. And every time I've tried those, I'm like, Good God, how have they manipulated the tomato into something so absolutely delicious? When you put it with mozzarella and some nice French baguette, you know, to that, make part, that yourself, part's not necessary. But it is. It's not to make yourself just enjoying and being like, Wow. In my, in my a little, little balsamic a, reduction. Of course, of course. Maybe some basil. Uh, so that's what I'm going for here. Okay. Now, now I what happened? Yet to perfect the texture here. They are still firm. When they're at their best, they're still firm, despite being long and slow roasted. These I used on the vine tomatoes. I got about 10 or 12 tomatoes. I like on the vine because then you get to take it off the vine and then you know mm. it's fresh, mm. you know? There's something that to shows be said for the that. rosy red ones as one does. You have them. Obviously, you wash all the tomatoes to get all the uh, dirt, the dirt off. Mm. You have them. This part's kind of fun. You have them. You get your little uh, paring, whatever. The, 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 not the chef knife, not the little paring knife, but the middle knife, the one that you use for your produce, the one that's longer and mm-hmm. also still small. And now you're going to de-seed them. You got to get all the stuff out of the middle. The I've guts. learned this the hard way. I've tried doing it wrong a lot. And what the end result is, you have almost a stewed tomato. You really do. It's just like you have no real texture. Which, by the way, it. not bad. Nothing wrong with a stewed tomato. Not bad. Just not what I'm going for here. So you gotta cut across the stem side, the portion that was connected to the stem of the tomato. Once you have it, and then you take a spoon, and you just kind of jim it in there and scoop it all out. You scoop all the innards out. Get in a little bowl to the side to put all the innards in that you can just toss down the disposal when you're all done. Hmm. Scoop those out, put them somewhere else, whether you want to put them in a... I'm afraid I was taking too much out. See, that's the thing. I don't think that's the case. I think that sometimes, even still after scooping... Well, you want to get all the seeds out. Right. You don't want no, any the seeds, seeds I get that, over. yes. I'm not taking any of the meat of the, the actual tomato on the outside. Yeah. It's just a way of... You know, in one felt swoop, you get underneath there and separate it all and pop it out. Pretty satisfactory. You enjoy it. It's kind of fun. So you get all your tomatoes on the side, maybe in like a mixing bowl if you want, or I put them onto my pre-foiled or parchment-papered roasting pan, a big guy, Mm -hmm. because I got a lot of tomatoes. And once you've 
halved and seeded them all, and you got your pretty little cups, tomato cups out there. By the way, nothing has better, nothing has be, nothing in the entire food universe has better names than tomatoes. It's not like everybody thinks of beefsteak, but there are like they have like professional wrestling types of names for tomatoes. Roma tomatoes. No, that's not. That's definitely not Heirloom. one of them. Yeah, th- thank you. You've named a couple of the more commonly known. What do you mean? I'm talking. If you go over to like uh, what's the place in uh, Cockeysville that everybody loves so bad, or in Hunt Valley, the the farm place. Yeah. You go over there. Like they have specific names for t- tomatoes that are like uh, uh, the big boy, and that they have like really specific tomatoes. And names. so there's probably something to that, like to this discussion, to why I have yet to perfect to perfect what I'm going for here. Mm-hmm. But so you get them all on your in your bowl or on your 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 tray, your baking sheet, if you will, and now you're gonna want to put olive oil on them, right? Like, I got the little bottle guy that okay. you just, like, yeah, pour sure. over. Sure, And I don't have the exact measurements, but if I had to guess, I would say it's probably about two tablespoons, right? And you're just pouring them over, pouring them over, pouring them over. Then you want to get your salt and pepper, freshly cracked, of course. Get all of that on there. You're just cracking it over, cracking it over again. The pepper, like, the measurements, if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say a tablespoon of salt, a tablespoon of pepper. Okay. But it's not exact. Okay. And then you're going to put some garlic powder. I experimented with freshly chopped garlic. You would think that would be a good way to you go about think, this, yes. right? Yeah. But I found that when I tried to do that, the slow roasting aspect, like the eight hours at 200 degrees, really kind of, it didn't necessarily bring the garlic to life as much as just dry it out. Mm. So I was like, okay, maybe not, maybe not. But I'll still maybe try that again in the future to see if that was just user error on my part. So you get a lot of garlic powder in there, mix it all up, toss them together so they're evenly coated, and you can see all the little specks of pepper and salt and garlic powder on the tomatoes. And then you're going to want to line them up on your tray, right? I said 200 degrees. doesn't take long to get your oven heated to that, so that's fine. Line them up on your tray, you know, as much space between them as you can possibly do. Sometimes it's not as easy. I get it. Roast them in there. Throw them in. And this is the part where you're just kind of chilling now. Six to eight hours at 200 degrees. Wow. Yeah. So you would have been, you would have had a pretty full pan with tomatoes, like not a lot of open space, but they're going to like shrink. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. They're going to become a little shriveled. Okay. And and then six hours, you know, I wanted to go all the full eight and I did. They were done. I ate some. They're great on sandwiches. They really are. So let me let me get it. The roasted tomato is supposed to be a drier tomato? No, because that's the thing. You can't possibly just... You have to to preserve them. Yeah, this you is You put the, them in the olive oil. Right. And they're not dry. It's not a dry. No, it's I'm, not, I'm it's not... About, it's about what I'm... What I'm the white whale here mm-hmm. is the... See, it's a beautiful flavor, right? You're just slow roasting these suckers sure, until sure. you're just getting nothing but the essence of tomatoes. And mm-hmm. it's great. You love it. But the real differentiator here is if you can get the flavor while still getting some bite, you know? Like a little bit of an al dente tomato as opposed to still being easier to take the bite through. And so I'm not a professional cook. People know that, I think. Mm, I don't know. We put you in the kitchen. I've, I've, got, you know. I've got some skills. I'm not, I've got I mean, good you instincts. You've got that hat. Yeah, I mean, I'm know, pretty sure that goes a long way. When they, look at, when they look into a room, they're like, pretty well, which, which of these gentlemen is the professional cook? They're Correct. probably going to point at you. Yeah. So I'm looking for, we have some good cooks in our listenership. I want to know if John Keller has advice, or John from Little Rock has advice, about how to get the texture I'm going for here. Perhaps. So explain exactly the texture. Like you, you are, you you want so you want let's some say, bite, let's say but you, you have, don't. Let's. It's about the chew, really, right? Right. Like, 
a stewed tomato. Yes. If you were to take a bite of it, it's falling apart in your mouth well, right away. That's the idea. Away, that's right? the, like, I mean, it's, you, you I can't really take a bite. The tomatoes I made yesterday were on the stewed to chewy spectrum, probably somewhere in the middle. There was but not so enough chew for my liking where it's still like you're taking a bite of as if maybe you had like a roasted red pepper, you so, know. So so you want the the roasted flavor a bit of a softer Yes. But I'd, still enough of you know, a it's not like a slice of tomato if you were to remove the seeds. Like that's a solid. If you're biting a solid in that case. This mm-hmm. is it's a different it's a medium, but it's there's a chew involved here that is quite divine no pun intended when you are able to actually do it and the ones i made last night were mm-hmm. still delicious did you take a picture i did you want right. to see a picture i mean we're gonna share it I right know, but you That's should probably idea. take a look and let me know how they look they were delicious uh-huh and turned out quite good but sure those were quite good but what's and and what's on top of it there's the the olive oil salt pepper yep. garlic powder keep it simple you didn't do any cheese no because you're kind of just now, like, with as long as it's in the oven, you know, you could throw it in later maybe and do a quick broil if you wanted to. And if you were to serve these as an hors d'oeuvre, like, that wouldn't I, be a bad I would, idea. I would only put, for those, I'd probably just do a little bit of parm cheese. The thing is, is the route that I would go. I would not go the caprese route with those. A sharp, sharp parm, I get it. But my thinking is normally when I'm using these, they're paired with cheese anyway, right? Like I'm going to be putting them on top of bread with cheese or a sandwich that already has cheese underneath. I did last night, for example. I used a turkey salami, mm-hmm. base of mustard, a little bit of spicy pickles underneath there. Okay. Laid three of these suckers on sounds, top. The sandwich sounds like it should have been the Kyle in the Kitchen sa- segment. It sounds like top. it shouldn't have just been the tomatoes. It sounds like you should have done a like, segment on the, the sandwich itself. I didn't have the bread I wanted. It was still good bread, but it wasn't the ciabatta. The ciabatta is the, the star of the sandwich, and you can get that good ciabatta. Yeah, it's good. You don't know what to talk about because uh, you don't believe ciabatta it. Ciabatta bread is definitely better than other types of bread, but it's still just anyway. I had a brioche, everything brioche roll, which is tasty. It was mm-hmm. tasty, but it wasn't what I needed there. But um, all things considered, I would give my tomatoes seven Kyles out of ten. Seven Kyles. Seven Kyles out of ten. All right, so you've got an uh, in- index card? Wait. I will have to write the note in the notes app. But yeah, I got uh, what, what are you doing, man? What are you, it's, 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 I cook from the heart. You cook from the heart. Yeah. Uh, John has asked for a uh, you to do a caprese salad. Interesting. Uh, there is a you know what? There's an actual. I, I don't know. Isn't that sort of just raw components tossed in a light it's balsamic? It's kind of like that, but you got to get it right. I mean, and, I can't, and for I, example, there's one. There are two carryout places in my mm-hmm. generalish area. Sure. One of them gets it very right. Well, the difference is ingredients. The other one does not. I mean, I can't, does you know, not get it right at you all. You get those good the, tomatoes. The one you get some good tomatoes. Also, the amount. I think the amount of tomatoes is critical here. I think places are afraid to go heavy on the tomato. Well, you gotta get a healthy wedge, but, right? Like it's not. I, I think that if it's we're talking I, an heirloom, I think you want to cut that sucker into eight to tenths. Yeah, probably. That's probably about right. But there are places that are afraid that they don't think that there should be that many tomatoes in a salad, forgetting that it's a caprese right, salad, right, right. and that's the point of sure. the bit. What kind of lettuce is arugula for that normally? Um, I've gotten one with arugula, um, but I mean you can use just about any kind of lettuce. I wouldn't for go a with like an iceberg salad. for a caprese. You know, salad. I wouldn't. I, you would say that, and I get it. But like I've had an iceberg caprese salad that worked just fine. Just mm-hmm. fine, but a spinach, you know, like uh, there's. I think I'd go with arugula. That arugula, uh, pick uh, one particular place was only went to arugula because of the romaine problem, and it turned out to be the greatest thing that ever happened. I will that. say, 
Are we allowed to plug specific products on this segment? What, what's the... I mean, it's not, you know, the, the Joe, the trade of Joe's. Oh, yeah. Well, They've got not, a glaze, a balsamic glaze. Oh, I'm sure. I'm that sure is... I'm sure it's quite delectable. Good. All right. So so, so you're, you're not as thrilled I'm with the result. I'm not there yet. It's not where I'm dreaming it's going to be, but okay. this is a process, right? Cooking is a process. That's and right. chefs have to fail sometimes, and this is even a, and, just a relative And as failure. I've said for some time, any, any, anyone can cook. Correct. It's, a, it's an original. It's an original from, uh, from me. That's the way I said it. All right. That's Kyle in the Kitchen. Kyle in the Kitchen was taped in front of a live studio audience, and we will get that up a little bit later today at uh, glennclarkradio.com. Thanks today to Mike Pereira. Thanks to Paul Mittermeier. Thanks to Kim English. Thanks to Charles Davis. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, Rondell Moore. Uh, yeah, that's right. Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore will join us. John, you said a caprese salad. What did he say now? He said caprese doesn't have lettuce, basil, mozzarella. You can do it that way, but like... A caprese salad does, right, yeah. I mean, like, somebody... There might There's be someone who calls right. that, that, that says it that way, but a, you go most places, you're getting a caprese salad on a bed of lettuce. That's typically the and way I it also, works. And I also, I do want... I'm going to be honest with you, John. While everyone loves a good caprese, hard to mess that up. If the ingredients are good, if yeah, the ingredients are good, yeah, right? Like, I agree with that. It's not exactly requiring me to. I actually had an idea for a capreciation, which is supposed to be a play on celebration, but it never worked. It was a pitch that I made when we were trying to get somebody involved in Little Italy once that we would have people bring their tomato mozzarella uh, recipes, okay. like like their chicken caprese, their all of those things together. We would do a a, a, a festival. The people of the concept. The manipulation of tomatoes is is a distinguishing factor between great chefs, right? Like, some of the best products that I love are with things that I just don't even know how they can possibly turn this into that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I hear And you. that's the real, I hear you. real trouble with cooking you. sometimes. All right, yeah, uh, Rondell Moore is going to join us on Monday, uh, Purdue wide receiver, and someone, like, the skill set is unbelievable, but... Once again, we don't know what the Ravens are looking to build right. at receiver. Is it, is it redundant with what the Ravens already have? Are they have? in love with the idea that there's a jet sweep Correct. potential Correct, just get, thing, get like... as many of these kind of jackknife players on the field as you possibly can. Uh, we'll talk to Rondale Moore uh, for Monday's program. Jeremy Kahn will join us, as he does every Monday. Stuff and of course, stuff and things. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, the U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Great Eights Memorabilia, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, K&S Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Don't forget tomorrow morning, the bat around. Paul and Zach talking baseball, 10 to noon. Same locations. You'll want to be tuned in for that. Thanks, Kyle Ottenheimer, Sad Lonely Man. Follow him on Twitter. At Kay Ottenheimer, follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Go local lacrosse teams. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.